Should we start off with explaining what this show is, what this episode is, and how we're having one next week? Yeah. And how do you do? You even need to explain because it's such fucking big news. <laughs> like everybody knows, right? They're going to turn in and be like, "This show is yes. obviously going to be about gravitational waves." I'm, I'm including this. Welcome to Probably Science. It's the uh, it's the gravitational wave LIGO special. No, everyone. we're not going to tell you what it's about because it's too fucking obvious. Probably science. There's no other science news right now. All other science has has ceased. We've got some Jesse Case news, though. Jesse just tweeted, for people who are following Jesse's health news, he had his operation today, and he just tweeted a minute or two before we started recording, post-op alive. Yay. Amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, the, go it, Jesse. It, and he said that, that was, uh, that's, that's it. Like, that's, you know, aside from the possibility of something down the road, like, he's, he's beaten it. Right, like it's well. I mean, like with with the possibility, of many possibilities of of it of recurrence, recurring like, and that kind of for thing. For now, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's definitely like for now. He's done with like the the chemo did its job, and then the operations hopefully got everything else out, and then I can go Jesse. Amazing, yeah, amazing. Awesome. Uh, Big news all around. Hey, I've had some health stuff as well. Yeah, that's crazy. Should we talk about this? <laughs> yes. Like, because keen listeners to the show will know a couple of things. If you've listened to every episode, you might remember a couple. Of, firstly. The episodes we recorded before Andy went to Bali, you'll remember that I had a cough, that I, I had quite a bad cough. I that think I was, you were good about not coughing into the mic. Yeah, but, but there were times that I kind of had to excuse myself, and it was it was getting worse, and it continued to get worse. Also, keen listeners to the show might remember that when we were talking about vaccines, we were talking about how certain vaccines, uh, vaccine scares over the years, are cultural and of their time. Like, different countries have different vaccine scares at different times, until recently, where it's become more universal because of the internet. Um... And there was an episode where I mentioned, for example, uh, like, for example, because it was the scare in 1980, I never got vaccinated for whooping cough. No. Guess what I had last week, people? Uh, I've just finished my antibiotics course. I've still got the remnants of, like, shit in my lung. L- apparently, I'm no longer contagious, but I've got... Wow. I'm still not 100%. What does that you, feel did like? Did you infect all the other kids in your preschool? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, the doctor's like, hey, um... I know you're not an African child, however... <laughs> Didn't you call your mom to ask if you'd been vaccinated? I, I messaged her. Uh, yeah, and I, I, me- I messaged my mom, and she's like, no, we didn't, because it can cause brain damage. And I went, well, it can't cause brain damage, and now I have whooping cough. <laughs> and she went, and, and now the doctor's giving me the vaccine now. And, and she was like, oh, no, don't let him give you the vaccine. It's like, she's like, still! She's like, like, she's still worried about me getting a vaccine now that is... Like a thirty year, thirty five years more medically advanced, and I'm an adult, and it never caused it in the first place anyway. Like there's sort of three <laughs> levels removed from danger. You're, and you're already way deep into the brain damage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Already, already, so, it's, so where does one pick up whooping cough now? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I really don't know. But I, where have I, you been hanging out, man? Yeah, I'm gonna need to I know it. It ain't nice. It feels like a disease you only get if you wear a pith helmet. And yeah. you were on some kind of expedition. He's got consumption. Find it very berry or something. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really horrible. The thing that gives it the name, it's the cough you have. What? And here's why it's confusing. The first two weeks, you just feel like you've got a bad cold and a cough and like an itchy throat. And then you get to the, I can't remember, it has a name for the second phase of it. But what it is, is you like the the phlegm that you get in your chest that you that feels like a normal cold, it gets thicker and thicker. So then in the morning and the evening, it normally tends to happen like twice a day, you have these coughing fits, but it gets stuck in your in your windpipe, so you sort of cough up, but it doesn't go all the way, 
So you have this cough followed by this kind of like it's it's really like it, it is not nice at all. And I had this for about four or five days before I was like, this is worse than normal. So then I sort of I I googled uh I just googled some like phlegm stuck in throat after coughing and the first like pay I I know like normally going to Doctor WebMD doesn't work, but this time it was like page after page of this is it. Right. And it said and the 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 internet advised, take a video of yourself coughing like this because it's an intermittent thing so the doctor doesn't always like well they'll see you and you just have cold symptoms so i took a video right. of it and i showed it to the doctor and the doctor's like did you ever get vaccinated for whooping cough and i was like well funny you should mention that <laughs> um yeah if you google it the the symptoms it just is a picture of a little kid it just says runny nose and severe cough that sounds like whoop yeah it is like it is that yeah. i have i I have the video. I could put it on the website. I don't, it's kind of grim, though. It's like me just like not able to breathe. It's not very nice. <laughs> but if you really want to know what it sounds like, then just I'm sure there are other YouTube videos. It just This makes me wonder, was Tag Team back in the 90s just trying to raise awareness of the symptoms of this disease? Well, oh, I don't know what Tag right. Team is. Whoop, there, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Oh. <laughs> that, yeah. That's what that deserved. That's what that deserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's okay. Actually, I... My um, mic just shut off. Shut off. <laughs> I submitted a... Pu- paper for publication one of the last things before i left oh, lego yes that's it, very it had good. it had the title uh Whoop, there it Whoop, is there it is this <laughs> perfect segue into the rest of the conversation that's, that's right good. and much to my dismay uh the journal they just ignored it they, they sent it back with comments and it, oh. and it had just the subtitle um which was something technical that nobody gives a shit about and we were like, hey, that's not the title of the paper that we submitted. And they were like, tough shit. <laughs> Larry, explain to us what whoomp there it is, so is supposed to mean. The we whole- should, by the way, before we do, before you yeah. get into this, we should actually properly introduce yes. you. This is returning to the show. About uh, two years ago now, we had an episode with our two friends from LIGO, where they, uh, Dr. Jamie Rollins and Dr. Larry Price... And you were talking about this LIGO project that might or might not discover this cool gravitational wave thing. And that if it did, it would be huge fucking news. It would be like the biggest science news in physics for quite some time. And it happened. So tell us about this paper. (laughs) (laughs) So before 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 we get get into into the big... So the whole whole joke is that the WOMP is uh, a gravitational wave signal, right? Like they colliding black holes make this chirping sound where as they um, get closer and closer the frequency increases so it makes this whoop kind of sound and the, there it is is that it was this paper was about actually trying to locate the sources of these things in the sky so it was perfect it was like whoop there it is perfect yeah that's and, a great it, pun title for yeah, a science paper and that, but that actually worked it was not forced it was totally natural yeah because even in the last ep- the, the first episode that we recorded with you we were talking about uh, Jesse's big problem with contrived acronyms that's right for scientific projects. That's that's exactly right. And this and this this was a whole. This was like witty. It was it fit all the right criteria. It was natural. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, physical review D. Yeah, I'm calling you guys out. <laughs> does not have a sense of humor. Is that why? Is that why you left science? That's why. Fuck that shit. <laughs> I don't want to be in a field that doesn't recognize a good whoop. There it is, Joe. Yeah, because exactly. we should point out as well. Uh, Jamie is still very much part of the LIGO project and very much still a working scientist. Yes. Larry, you took your degree and your, yeah. your postdoc and your research and everything, and you've run off to the private sector. Yeah, I'm still I'm still a scientist. I'm a data scientist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says the engineer. Oh, <laughs> oh low blow, Larry. <laughs> 
I'm just bitter that Larry left me all by myself at work. But then you did, he did leave just office. before the biggest news. Yeah, so that's that's what he gets. You're Although sort of, his name is still on the paper, yeah. unfortunately. So I, I had my cake, I'm eating it right now. Yeah, I know. Oh, really? It tastes pretty good. So yeah. you're, not the, you're not the Pete Best of LIGO? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're definitely not. You still get the credit. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, hang on, which, what's the, so the paper... Like the paper, right? Does that have the names of everyone involved in the project? Is that got it like a hundred names on it? Or no, a thousand, over a thousand names. Wow! So, so it's the entire LIGO scientific collaboration, which is, I don't know. I mean, it's like 20, 20 countries, seventeen countries, like a hundred institutions. Some, some. It's a lot. It's a lot of people. Most of those people didn't do jack shit, just for what it's worth, <laughs> right? But we have to put all their names on there. There's there's names of dead people. There's names of people that aren't with the project anymore, like Larry. But most, if you if you if you've left if you left the project within a year, I think it's a year. Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's such a big project, and there's so many working parts that it's it it is. I mean, if you actually do anything important for the project, it's really hard to erase somebody's contribution. Right, right. It's sort of yeah, like so you know the, you either built a thing or you wrote a piece of code that people are still using every day, and so it's. You know, like the the compromise is like a year. Yeah, yeah. So let's. Yeah. Sorry, what are you? Asking? No, I was just going to say there 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 are people's names who who left the project quite a while ago, but who made significant contributions. So we thought we'd. And the project's been going on now for how many years? Uh more than twenty, probably yeah. since it was since from when um, it was first proposed to the NSF, and we got the you know we got the initial approve approval to. To now, I mean, I think it was in '93 or something like that. I cannot Damn. remember yeah, the exact date. Cool. So, so it's still because there was a. Actually, I read this nice article. And I'll post a link to it on probablyscience.com that uh, was talking about the importance of this discovery, and then it it sort of it said at the end, "What's the big deal?" And then it, there was a little coda to the article where it said, "The death of science journalism." And I think it's worth reading. I'll read this little paragraph. Yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, it said long ago newspaper. Was it one of our listeners who sent it in? Yeah, I'll look it up while you're reading. Uh, Long ago, newspapers could afford to have science journalists on their staff, but nowadays many just cut and paste press releases. The downside of this is that there's a next to no scrutiny of science stories, and press officers in universities and research labs end up effectively writing their own propaganda. For the trusting public, this makes it appear as though every few days some amazing scientific discovery has been made. This might give us all our 15 minutes of fame, but it means the public gets scientific breakthrough fatigue. Eventually this leads to science agnosticism, then cynicism. When landmark discoveries like this appear, they're lost in the fluff. This discussion of uh, journalism is not only happening in science, but all throughout the media. Everyone's now suspicious of the motives behind any story, and with good reason. Uh, this That's... has a number of unfortunate consequences. Um, when scientists tell us the world is getting hotter, they're ignored. People can choose whether to believe right. in whatever they want, whether it's a 7,000-year-old Earth, the world's immunity to rising CO2 levels, and even Donald Trump. So let's hope that the gravitational wave astronomers and engineers triumph is appropriately recognized. Many that, of them have dedicated their entire careers very, to That's very cool. Where, where did yeah, that which, come from? Which was article that just was that? A, a listener uh, sent us, a listener named Jamie Armit tweeted that at us, and it is in the Swinburne? What Swim, was it like? Swinburne University of, of Technology. I think this is an Australian, wow. uh, I th- Australian contingent. Uh, Matthew Bales, uh, the yeah. pro-vice-chancellor of research, wrote this. Hmm. He's a, he's a, a pulsar timing guy. He's oh, cool. Okay. pulsar astronomer. So he's sort of in, not exactly in our field, but a related field. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're also looking for gravitational he waves. He does say what timing. we're talking. We recorded episodes before I left <clears> the country. By the way, I, I want to apologize to everybody for, first of all, the episode um, with, uh, uh, with, with Maud Garrett, uh, in which there were some audio issues. 
And then for the irregularity of things being uploaded, I was out of the country hoping to put them up as I was gone. Um, we backlogged some, including one with Kiara, uh, who works with who works on the Pulsar timing arrays, and wrote a paper with Jan Eleven, who'll hopefully Kiara, be typing in later. Oh, Kiara, yeah, no, she's she's at Caltech. She's she's not technically part of the LIGO scientific collaboration, but she is. She's a close collaborator. Yeah, so, right. we're, we're so we have that episode already, but we're putting this out first because this, is, this is timely. Big news, but yeah. then next week we'll have that episode that's dealing with a different frequency band of, of gravitational waves. <clears throat> right. I guess but, is the difference, right? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean that's one it, it, totally different detection yeah. method. Also, yeah. they're using yeah I mean, using we, those we, pulsars we to get the right. Yes. So they're looking at the timing the timing of pulsars and looking how gravitational waves might be modulating that the signals coming from the pulsars these whereas are, these we, are things that have a period of like 10 years as well opposed the, to no pulsars can have oh, periods no, of milliseconds but, then but the, 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 the gravitational wave yes in, the modulation yeah. the gravitational waves can have really 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 long periods so, so let's but wait i want to get back to the just that 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 thing that you just read yeah uh i i think that's very interesting and one thing so People are probably, I mean, probably people who listen to this podcast were aware of all the rumors that were swirling around about us of having had a detection before we made an announcement. I mean, it was rumors for months. I mean, there's a, there's a thousand people involved in the collaboration. It's hard to keep that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, and this, this guy... Lawrence Krauss, <laughs> who nobody in LIGO he's a very, likes. He's a very prominent he's physicist. He's a very prominent physicist. He's also a total douchebag from everything I know about him. <laughs> and he's also a celebrity whore. But whatever. He, nobody in LIGO likes him. But um, Is this something? He, that, are we allowed to put this out in the episode, by the way? This is, sure. Okay, yeah. Okay. I, I have no shame. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I, I don't have any problem with Lawrence Krauss knowing about our distaste for him. It's... Um, anyway, because he, okay. he was tweeting before he was tweeting. Like, yeah, he, he, right. I mean, it, so I have to say that the the guy he wrote an op ed in the New York Times last weekend that was not bad, and there probably is some positive effect that came from him, you know, propagating these rumors. But it just felt so self serving that it was really hard for us to, you know. Except what he was doing because he does have inside information, or he was speculating well. He definitely about- had inside information. Yeah. I don't know. How, nobody, we don't know how he got it, yeah. but it obviously came from somebody in the Scient- LIGO scientific collaboration yeah. because he had specific information, uh, very specific information that he knew almost immediately. So, wow. yeah, we, who knows how that yeah, happened? We were trying to keep it under wraps for you know until we were sure that everything was kosher, and then we that was the press release last week yeah. and the release of the paper. But but anyway. The, one of the things that was swirling in the rumors was that, oh, the end of this week, LIGO's going to have a press conference and they're going to announce the gravitational wave, detection of gravitational waves, and they're going to publish a paper in Nature. And then this, this, this rumor, part of the rumor that was circulating that w- was that we were going to publish in Nature, which we all thought was really funny because we were like, fuck Nature. They're a rag because they frequently publish papers that I and us and people in our collaboration think are this kind of fluffy stuff where basically they're sort of in sensational, um, you know, what do you call those, uh, papers what sort of tabloid it's like a tabloid it's like yeah. a science tabloid almost Clickbait really for science yeah it, it they really are science and nature are these for-profit journals that you know take these things that are sound kind of fancy and then they really puff them up and make them into these big news stories. So everybody thinks that if you've got a really big science news story, it's got to go into science and nature. Okay. And they've rejected 
you know, attempts for us to publish there before because it wasn't fluffy enough. I and find an angle to make it. Yeah. Accessible. And I, and, and, you know, so much of the stuff that I've read in those journals are just, yeah, it's just so fluffed up. And so we, we definitely were like, no, we're not. It was very unanimous within the yeah. LIGO Scientific So where is it being broadcast? Oh, it's sorry, in p- uh, Physical Review Letters, which is pretty much... Journal. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a totally legit... It's the, the physics journal of note, basically. Yeah. Okay. That, that is... T- what's the analogous thing in, like, literary world? So this, this is the New Yorker, uh, and they, they were saying it's going to come out in Us yeah, Weekly or I something. <laughs> um, what yeah, USA what Today. Oh, this is, is McSweeney's? There, what is this? Yeah, I don't know if would it's it be really more? an analogy, because it's sort of... Yeah, I mean, the... It's like, there are... I mean, are there, like, for the literary world, right? Like, a lot of the... Like, Harper's and New yeah, Yorker yeah. are things that you pay for, right? Like, yeah. they're all for profit. It's not. Oh, that's a good point. They're not for the love of uh, literature as an yeah, idea in the like abstract. Physical review like is something that you do not have a personal subscription to, right? Okay. Like it's going to cost you thousands of dollars a year, and like your library probably doesn't have a physical copy of even anymore, right? It's just like an e-subscription for your campus, right? And the only people who read that are literally working physicists, mm-hmm. whereas like science and nature is the kind of shit that gets picked up. They control their press releases very well they're like you know they they build hype and i mean they they definitely get a lot of mentions on our show understandably because the stories we cover when we're not doing the episodes where when we're doing our normal episodes not with a professional scientist but where we have a comedian on and we go through the week in science news right those are the stories that make it into we're part of the problem are we yeah (laughs) no 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 it's not that's just shitty podcasts like this (laughs) (laughs) you're bringing down science man imagine like totally the the opposite the the first scientific study to be published in a podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah but the the um yeah it's it's just the i don't know it's just the way it goes there those journals are also very heavily biased towards the life sciences and have it's hard for physics things to to make yeah, it even this them. when I've talked to like when I was talking to someone on my trip about this and people want to know well, what's the how does this discovery impact our lives because everyone mm-hmm. wants to find a reason how it directly yeah. like right. are we traveling to distant galaxies with warp drives now right. or something I'm like no not everything has to have one of those applications to right. still be a, a monumental discovery it's just a yeah, fundamental yeah, 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 thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that we well, that, that let's is, start talking about this because uh, yes right. yeah, yeah. like I want to come back to that point. Okay, okay, maybe let's, let's do that come back yeah. to it later okay um Let's back up because listeners might not know you've been on our show before. We've talked about gravity waves, but it's been two years. Probably. Yeah, and we and, talked about okay. what your project was doing and was hoping okay, to can do. I, can I can I just give the rundown? Yes, right please. Now? Okay, so last Thursday, the LIGO project, which is a big worldwide international project to build these detectors to detect gravitational waves that would be coming from outer space reference show from two years ago when we discuss all of this yep, which is predicted by einstein <clears throat> predicted by the gravitational waves are are a effect um that uh comes from general relativity so it's comes from einstein's general theory of relativity it you know he didn't he didn't really realize that the theory predicted there would be these waves until you know i guess it was like a year or so after he pr- pr- uh published the original paper so, for general relativity he got, he got it wrong the first time yeah and so um what did he get wrong he, he just some just some of the yeah. details of the math that he then published a narada basically to correct stupid einstein yeah. <laughs> that idiot <laughs> which was almost 100 years ago it was it was 100 years ago this is the 100 year anniversary of the the publishing of the paper about wow. gravitational waves, yeah, there's some nice symmetry there. The publishing of the correct paper on gravitational right. waves, nice. So, 
So we've been looking for these gravitational waves, and then we this is in September of 2015. So this was four months, four or so months ago. We started our most recent. Um, observing run with our newly upgraded detector. So this is what we call advanced LIGO. Mm-hmm. And initial LIGO was the first iteration, and that that sort of took data in six science runs from 2001 to 2009. And then we basically ripped apart the entire detectors and completely rebuilt them with all new tech, all new gear, uh, got a big sensitivity improvement, and then had our first science run starting in September, and it's not quite to the sensitivity level we are hope to get them at, but it's still quite a big improvement over our last science run back in 2009, and basically immediately after we turned on the detectors, not, not you know, not immediately, yeah. immediately, but like within a couple, a day or so, we had this huge signal i mean so we were in we were actually not even in the observing run we were in the engineering period right before the observing run so we where we were you know it's this period where we run everything just like it's an observing run but you know we we haven't like you know stamped it as totally official yet because we were like working out all the kinks but it was happening in a period where everything was running totally nominally everything was going smooth and then we had this big signal that came in and marco drago is like a total celebrity now he's he's a guy i mean larry and i know this guy he's a he's a he's a postdoc i guess right and at aei he must be now yeah I, I assume he is yeah he's a postdoc at aei who was he's the guy um like if you go to the wikipedia page he's like marco i've seen stuff like marco drago detected gravitational waves it's like no he was the guy that was he like was looking at a computer sitting there, yeah he was right, sitting right. there looking at a computer he's the guy who was one of the guys who was maintaining the data analysis pipeline that first saw the signal okay and so he was the first one to get an alert and then he sent that forwarded that out to multiple email lists and then it totally he was he was manning the beacon that was closest to the shore exactly, yeah picture like exactly. the, the first scene in like your armageddon or whatever where there's some yeah. guy at an outpost who's right. like snacking on yes, like a exactly. zag and then he suddenly, drops his yeah, yeah. croissant in his lap and he's like oh my god spills oh his my. coffee yeah that's mod exactly. you gotta take a look at this <laughs> exactly and so um but then you know within a couple of hours it was it was total chaos within the project. Like emails and you knew, were going you everywhere. Knew, you knew with the new sensitivity, there's no way this was noise. You correct? No, we things. had no. We we did not know. There was there were so many questions initially because it was in an engineering run. So the the first question is, well, what was going on? I mean, were people messing with the in- instrument? Was was everything working properly? Yeah. You know, because one of the things you don't know. And we'll get onto it later on in the show talking about what the actual how the machine worked and what the project was but um in in the episode with with Kiara that's going to be coming out next week she talked about the sensitivity is so extreme that you even have to correct for things like clouds going overhead and is that I don't is that not, think we have to that's a, that's a, that's a little bit of, we don't have to correct for clouds yeah. okay. I don't think the I don't think that clouds have an effect but it is not incredibly yet. extreme yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like you're sure. talking like fractions of a fraction of a fraction of a- it's like one part in ten to the minus twenty one. Yeah, That's- I mean the the thing that the thing that the I, 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 the the thing that really drives it home to me is that we're looking for length changes. The gravitational wave is going to cause you know the, the the LIGO is these big L shaped 
devices out in the middle of the desert, in the middle of a swamp, that are four kilometers, two and a half mile long arms, and the gravitational wave comes by, and it actually stretches the space in one direction and expands the space in the other, and then kind of oscillates back and forth. And so so the arms are measuring the relative lengths of the two you know regions and the, and of the two space. regions are at, at right angles to each other right yes. so 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 when this gravitational wave comes through the whole of actual space itself yes. squashes in one dimension and stretches in another exactly. and then springs back yep. yep so suddenly the the time it takes light to bounce between the two posts will be shorter in one way than it is the other exactly by exactly a minute amount and the okay. and the the, the amount is a thousand times smaller than the nucleus of an atom. I mean, that that's the right. a thousand times smaller than the nucleus of an atom. That, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've been it. working on this project for 20 years, and every time I say that, it sends shivers down my spine. I don't how even do understand you, how it's possible. I'm sure you can't explain it quickly, but then how, how do you detect, what kind of tool can detect a change that small because even it's the tool li- has it's light it's 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 light that's really the fundamental thing that we're using is we're using this so we, we're using so one of the technologies that enable this to happen when einstein basically conceived of the idea of gravitational waves he thought it was not ever going to be possible to detect them he thought the effect would just be too small mm-hmm. he didn't even he, he had no conception of technology that would enable this so one of the technologies that enabled this is lasers which mm-hmm. are super precise light devices right so they produce a beam of light that is single like one frequency you know the white light we have in our house is all colors of light Mm -hmm. so the light we use in LIGO is one totally discrete frequency it's very narrow it's well it's it's one micron wavelength so um it's in the near infrared it's it's invisible okay um and um it's so so you know the light is is basically not affected by the gravitational wave passing and so it just measures the space as it you know propagates to the end of one arm and back so in the process of going down to the end of one arm and back when a gravitational wave goes through it that modulates the amount of time it takes for the light to go to the end and back and so You've got the you know one beam going down one arm, the other beam going down the other arm. When they come back together, they're either if nothing happens, they either totally cancel each other out, or if a gravitational wave is passing by, then that cancellation is oh. ever so slightly perturbed. So it looks for the interference pattern. It looks for the interference pattern exactly between the two arms, and then we have all of these crazy techniques that we've built up over the years to amplify the effect of that. It, that interference that that's that's how the detector so you've got works. one micron wavelength right and i i'm i don't know the scale i can't off the top of my head remember so one micron the- is one micron is 10 to the minus nine meters the the change that we're looking for is 10 to the minus 19 meters so we're looking for 10 orders of magnitude smaller so so a so, phase change that's almost imperceptible between yeah it's, those two it's, it's one over yes it's it's 10 to the 10 10 to the 10th, Lower one the, over 10 to the 10 of the wavelength of the light. But, so that's one ten billionth of the wavelength of the light. Uh, yes, that's correct. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. And so, the yeah, that's right. 
That's right. So I still don't get what the tool is that can detect those things being out of phase by that tiny. Well, we we just have so we have all these crazy what we you know interferometry techniques that we use to to amplify that effect. So yeah. so for instance, one of the one of the things that we do is we bounce the light in the arm back and forth hundreds of times. So oh, okay. so, so so when the arm moves by 10 to the minus 19 meters, the light moves a hundred times more than that, right? That's right off the bat. That's the first thing that happens. Okay, so that buys you two orders of magnitude. That buys you two but orders wait, of magnitude. Wouldn't the, do the gravitational waves propagate at the speed of light? Yes. But they don't so have then to. You, they don't have <laughs> to. That's a, that's a separate question. But yes, they, so, we, they, we, they, they propagate at the speed of light. For the, intent, for the purpose of this conversation, right now, they propagate at the speed of light. So, you, so but then, then getting a bunch of readings in a row doesn't really gain you... Well, the, the, the gravitational wave propagates at the speed of light, but the, 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 um, the frequency of waves that we're looking for is in the audio frequency oh, band. Right. Okay. So it's, okay. they're long wavelength waves, right? They're... they're you know, kilometer long wave waves. So, you know, as the, as the thing passes by, it's, it's causing these big, you know, right, right. Slow, kind of slow sloshing of the arms, relatively slow. I mean, it's audio, it's audio frequency, right, right. which would be in the kilohertz or lower than kilohertz, basically okay. t- uh, 10, 10 to 10 Hertz to a kilohertz roughly. Okay. It's happening roughly. at that. Sp- the sloshing is happening at that speed, but over a distance of, Right, the fraction, the right. most tiny, tiny, imperceptible tiny, change, yeah, yeah. or until now imperceptible. Right, right, yep, exactly. Uh, so, so you said you were saying that um, there were plenty of possible false. Uh, right. So we didn't positives. Right. So we. So first thing is we have systems that inject fake signals into the data. Now this is something I saw on the news and I or one of the news reports and I wasn't quite sure. In fact, Jana. Because I saw her last week when I was in New York, uh, she was even saying before the press conference, "This is either going to be the announcement, or it's the announcement that it's one of the test signals." Right. Uh, so, what are these test signals? Yeah. So we they're so we have what they're called injections or hardware injections, where we actually inject signals into the instrument so that they show up in the data stream, and then the analysis pipelines. Um, should see them if the analysis pipelines are working correctly they should see them and and we since they're 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 very well calibrated signals we should it's basically a way to calibrate the analysis pipelines to say okay if you see this signal you know we know what the signal is we know how it should show up in the analyses Mm -hmm. so how would you not know when one of those things is happening because we were in the middle of an engineering run and we were scrambling to get everything working right and we and we also we we well we used to do blind blind what are called yeah, blind like injections if you didn't do it that way then you wouldn't be getting the right effect of you would yeah you wouldn't want to know what it is the same way like you want well, to have we, some like we want we fire want, drills where you don't know yeah, if fire drills coming or we something, want right? both right we want we want to have we want to have injections where we know what they are ahead of time we know they're there just to sort of calibrate the pipeline and then we have Blind injections, which are sort of like a sociological, that's right, social hacking of all of the scientists. It was pretty yeah. famously a few years ago. There was uh, there was a blind injection that took place in Lego. Nobody nobody knew if it was a real signal. The, but this was, was in our last science run in two thousand nine. Before okay. before the detectors right. went offline, and 
nobody knew uh, whether or not this was actually a signal. We did and know that there were going to be blind that's, injections. That's right. We did or know possible, that. Possibly. There could there be were, zero. There could be one. Yeah. Could so, be two. We don't know. But the crazy thing was that the collaboration took it to the point of writing a paper about it. Oh. And Where that, nobody stepped up and said, "Yeah, yeah, guys, this was yeah, this no." Was, they, this was part of the process. This was part okay. of the, this yeah. was the yeah. part of the social yeah. social experiment. And there's actually a sociologist that follows LIGO who's who goes to the meetings and stuff. And I think he uh, Harry Collins mm-hmm. wrote a book about this or something. Right. Yeah. But it's um. But that was but that that was kind of crazy too. And yeah. people in other experiments are like, "Man, you guys are insane." Right. But like, you'd make yourself and like the whole time you're writing that paper, you're like, "This might be for nothing." Yeah, and you have grad yeah. students that are like. Shit, man, I want to graduate, but yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah, but but anyway, so this is this is the level of seriousness of the collaboration that yeah. they, you know, right. and regarding blind injections. So we so we were going to do that for this observing run also, but we hadn't done that yet. And you we hadn't for, turned them for on. The fact that you that no one had. Well, yeah. that was <laughs> the very first question: yeah. is is this a blind injection? Like, All right, who's yeah. been touching nobody, the blind injection yeah. machine? Nobody knew. Nobody knew if it was a blind. Initially, everybody was like, "Is this a blind inject? Is it an injection? Is it a no? It's not. It's not a known injection. Is it a blind injection?" So we had to go to basically the. Um, the spokes, you know, I mean, I don't know. I guess it was Gabby who was the one who's the spokesperson of the collaboration, who's also on the blind injection team, who said, who told everybody, no, this is not a blind injection. The blind, in- we had not started the blind injection process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, would it be possible? I was totally could, could they put any? Could they put any kind of? Um, since it's in the audio spectrum, could they have done a blind injection where once you analyze the data, it comes out and it's a fart or something? Yeah, <laughs> totally, 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 absolutely. I mean, we could inject any sound you could like, want. Oh, yeah. it's a Beatles song, and that we can't, we can't put that out because that's going to cost no, us a actually, fortune. No, no, no. That's happy actually, birthday. No, no, no. It's funny. Michael we Jackson's actually that, that something like that did sort of happen a couple years ago when we were commissioning the instrument. Some piece of electronics in the experiment was picking up radio stations and the signal was uh, getting demodulated and in basically from the strain channel where we measure gravitational waves you could analyze it and hear, hear the this radio, radio signal yeah <laughs> so amazing. we but well, we figured that out i'm, yeah. I'm gonna i'm gonna pause this little bit of the conversation because i realize i think jan 11 might be about to ready to skype in excellent right. uh so, so, but can I just, can I keep oh, telling yeah, the yeah, story yes. while you're doing, getting Jen on? So we didn't, um, we didn't know initially if it was a blind injection. So we got the word that, no, this is not a blind injection. And so then people started to really take this seriously. Mm-hmm. And so we then spent, you know, basically two months completely just digging into it as much as possible like yeah. what was going on at both instruments was everything kosher was everything running properly um and we spent two- a lot of time trying to figure out if it if 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 anybody hacked it if anybody if it was malicious like could anybody have done this um maliciously and we basically decided that it was effectively impossible for somebody to have generated this signal it would have been farts <laughs> yeah. It would have been farts, yeah. And, and what were you expecting? Were there models for predicting how frequently? Because this is a binary black right. hole system. Like right. How often do these? Do we yeah. think these? And this one happen? and this signal is very loud. So that was another thing where we were like, God damn, this is really loud. Why? Like, shouldn't we have seen if if these signals are 
common out there. Yeah, if these signals are as com- so common that we turn on the detector and immediately start hearing them, you know, shouldn't we have heard it in the last science run? Well, no, our sensitivity was a big enough improvement that this signal would have been not detected oh. in the previous science run. So we, you know, that's that, that was an analysis we did right away. Yeah. And um, so did be- you have a theory about how often these might be happening, or is that just something you so can't that, know? So one of the things that's interesting is that. I can let Larry talk more about this, but basically we thought our primary target for what we thought we were going to hear was binary neutron stars because we have good, better models about how frequently there are binary neutron star mergers. Mm -hmm. We have had almost no idea about how frequently there were binary black hole mergers. We thought the, the, the prediction was that there were, there could be, um, zero, Binary black hole mergers uh-huh. or, you know, thousands over the course of a month. The, the, the models were just like widely. There's no way really, yeah, yeah. we And so nobody knew. So we did. We just were like, well, we don't have any really prediction about the binary black holes. That's but right. then turn it on. And it turns out that that's what we saw. And there's yeah. a lot of reason to believe that black holes should be a little bit smaller than they are, too. Or the, than the ones, than that, the ones were, that we detected. That yeah, were these were these were kind of in a weird a little bit of a weird mass range because they were the 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 black holes that was another thing we did in this time we were analyzing everything it's like reconstructing what um the the thing that caused the signal what reconstructing what the signal was uh-huh. uh-huh so that you know reconstructing that these were two um black holes that were both about 30 solar masses so th- 30 times each black hole was about 30 times the mass of our sun Mm -hmm. which is a little bit of a weird range for black holes is jenna is jenna's here but i don't know jenna if you say something can we i don't know if we can hear you say can you hear me you're very quiet very quiet i'm I'm very quiet we can turn you up one second we can turn you up but if you get closer to a microphone as well Uh, how come jamie can see me oh there we go now we can hear you really clearly i just i kept turning up the mixer uh, and needed that See, the problem's at your end, man. <laughs> there we go. It's, yeah. There's a little bit of noise on the phone, but we can deal with that. Hey, Janet, we were just... Uh, Jamie and Larry were filling us in on the machine. Should I sit up? Would this be, would this be more appropriate? Okay, I'm going to try to sit up. <laughs> Jana is called in from her bed. <laughs> <laughs> you guys all deserve a break, very right? Very seriously. I admit sure it. it is. That's right. Okay, it it, it looks of- kind of dark, and there's like lots of pillows. Is it real? Is that your bedroom, really? Like this is my no. This is like the my. I still have the Halloween lights up. Oh, because oh, nice. it, it looks kind of like a hookah lounge from here. I know. I have the orange fairy lights up. See. Orange fairy lights everywhere. I don't know if you can see them. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, I know. It's really good. But see, I'm a little, now I'm, I'm all kind of like, you know, it's dark here. Like it's the middle of the night. It's winter. It's New York. It's New York's permanent yeah, winter right it's now. It's so bad. That's right. And it's winter here too. Yeah. That's why we're outside in the garden. Yeah, it got it's, down to 70 degrees today. 70 degrees? <laughs> it was pretty brutal. We're all wearing hoodies. Can't you see? Yeah. Um, so let, let's, now we've got Jana who's, uh, you deal much more with the theory side of this. Well, she's also a black hole expert. Yeah. So what is? So this is two black holes that were. Yeah. Tell tell us, Jana. Tell us about the a, a binary of two thirty solar mass black holes. Why why is that weird? Well, I mean, I I just think I I didn't have a prejudice towards the ten solar mass black holes, but there sort of has been for years. 
almost, I don't even know why. I mean, there's a kind of argument from uh, star formation theory that, that when stars die, they'll be like, they won't be as big as 30 solar masses. But I don't know. I never thought that stuff was that convincing. I don't know if I should say this on air, but I mean, sometimes I think we get really caught up in, in, in things we don't know that well, and then we limit our field of view. I've never subscribed to that attitude that right. we should limit our field of view on the basis of theories that aren't that well formed, really. Well, I would, I would rephrase that and say that we don't know of good ways to make things that size in, in large numbers. I mean, star, how, how big do stars get? Do, do, you know, actually burning stars get? Well, I think there's an argument that lower metallicity stars would be bigger um, and, and higher metallicity stars. So meaning after a certain phase of fusion and nuclear burning, that there would be more heavy metals that don't exist in the very early universe that aren't primordial. And so you but they're not going to be, get to be up to 30 solar masses, right? Well, there, I think early, early generations of stars can be quite big, actually. So there used to be something that people talked about called population three stars. I don't think they're, they're talked about that much anymore, but there were very early generation stars that were just made out of almost totally primordial stuff from the Big Bang. And, um, and they were huge, was the thinking. They would be like hundreds of solar masses. Mm. Um, my cat is scratching my couch. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should. This is probably a good time to point out that the this binary system we think well we, as we've reconstructed is four hundred megaparsecs away, which is about one point two ish billion light years. Damn. Which and so and then the age of the universe is roughly 13 billion years old. So it's about a tenth of the way to the edge of the universe, basically. So it's pretty far away. Yeah. yeah, And and so it's not quite. So Jano's talking about primordial. That that term basically means early in the universe. Yeah. You know, like a billion years when the universe is like a billion years old or two billion years old. And this is not quite that. I mean, the universe was, I don't know, 12 billion years old at the time of this black hole. But so it's not quite primordial, but that's the time that those black holes collided. So the black holes themselves could have been in orbit for 6 billion years. Exactly. That's the time that the, the black holes merged, but they were formed you know, they could have been in an orbit for, I don't know, I mean, 10 billion years. Okay. So and, that's, and that lends credibility to the, or that would be an explanation for why the size is out of whack with what we expect? Well, I, I, kind as, of, as I understand it, like this, this does put a constraint on the rates of these kinds of things, but not, not as strong as anybody would like it to be mm-hmm. right now, right? So it's, a, I mean, it's a, it's an actual data point that says, you know, hey, these things are here, but it's, um, yeah, you know, like we in a, in a year or two, there should be a much better constraint. Well, now that we've had, so I assume that once you have something like Lego working, it just continues to run. But is that not the case? Is it running right now? It's or? it's not running right now. Oh, okay. So so basically, the the um, process for these kinds of detectors mm-hmm. is build or upgrade commission, which takes so after you've done an upgrade it takes a long time to actually make the detector work 
at some sensitivity mm-hmm. that you're shooting for, and then you take data. So the thing, the important thing to remember is that, or to keep in mind, is that let's say you've got a detector that's got some sensitivity, okay? And you can leave it at that sensitivity and take data for a really long time. However, if you stop taking data at some point and make your detector more sensitive, 10 times more sensitive, then with the new 10 times more sensitive detector, you need to take data for some small fraction of the amount of time that you would have with the less sensitive detector to get the same time volume of space, right? So you always want to be making the detectors more sensitive because you're as they get more sensitive, you can probe larger and larger distances into space mm-hmm. and the the amount of volume, you know, just think of it as a sphere around us, right? The the detector has some radius of sensitivity, yeah. roughly. I mean, this is not exactly correct, but it has some radius of sensitivity which turns into a volume, but that volume is the cube of the radius. Mm-hmm. So if you can make this the radius, you know, two times better, then you make the volume two cubed better the actual range you're searching over the yeah. Actual, yeah the the, the volume the, the space. of space that you're searching right, over right. so so you always win if you can make the detector more sensitive um so so we're always wanting so even if we've taken we could just leave it at this sensitivity and keep running yeah but it's it's actually better for us to stop taking data try to make the detector more sensitive and then take data then again online. Yeah, which we're, is what we're doing now. So we, we're upgrading the detectors again, and then we're going to start having another data run in September of this year, and it'll be about the same amount of time. It'll be about So you always months. have techniques in the back of your heads about how you can improve sensitivity Basically. as soon as you get some downtime yes. to go implement so it. So the thing you detected... The, the, the instrumentalists are, chomping, to, are totally like, chomping at the bit. Let us go do yeah, yeah, they yeah, get, yeah. The instrumentalists get totally stir-crazy <laughs> when we're just sitting there during the observing run, and the analysts are... All like you know, going crazy because their data pipelines are spitting shit out, and they're getting all excited because they detected stuff. And the instrumentalists are just like, "Fuck this! Let me touch the instrument. Yeah. Let me make it better. Let me tweak it out." We lost Jenna for a second, Matt. Um, just because sometimes yeah. my Wi-Fi router is weird. Maybe just turn on and off your Wi-Fi. If that if, was it on our try, end or I hers? I, uh, I think it was my end. Yeah, I think it's this end. Um, we're talking about doing some of the most complicated electronics <laughs> and detection stuff in the world, and we can't <laughs> get Skype to work fun. to New York. Yeah. Well, um, if people could see our, our kludgy, uh, I should take a picture of our setup here. This is but, pretty complicated. We have yeah. four people and Skype. We have two I, mixers, two I laptops. Think, I think we're doing quite well. Um, LIGO's only slightly more sophisticated <laughs> than this. I've, I've got a question while we're waiting for Janet to get back in. Um, was Oh, here we go. I, I think, what's the thing that you detected a frequent occurrence like is it did you get lucky with the timing or is this something that happens all the time we don't really know i mean well we've, we've regained jenna again hi jenna I was, oh, oh that's something to note to cut out oh, sorry sorry one second one second one second uh we have to really loud no i just i have I have a piece of shit. The second mixer is even worse than the first. I feel like our listeners are like, why are we donating money if you guys don't upgrade your equipment? Um, Donate more money, guys. Um, This is a good time to plug these t-shirts. This is my my role on this podcast to just kind of like interrupt you guys. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. You're there to be... Destroy the flow. A technical difficulty. The the question I just asked um, them was... um, how frequent is this thing that they detected? Like, did they get really lucky with the timing when they turn on the machine, or is well, this that, something that's happening? So all that the time? was one of the first questions we asked when we were like, is, when we realized that the the detection was 
when we were starting to realize that the detection was legitimate is like is this i mean is this did we just right. get really lucky or is this going to happen all the time and so you know we were waiting during the, we, we we were waiting are we going to get another one i mean if if, it, if they happen all the time then as we keep taking the data we should get another one yeah and in fact in that paper that we published we there is another event it's 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 much less loud it's quieter mm-hmm. but it's st- statistically significant <laughs> event and so it has we think it has something like a 90 percent probability of being a gravitational wave Damn. whereas the the main thing that we saw is like 99.999 oh really yeah oh. There's, there's somebody somebody has like a, a law on wikipedia about this that all first detections are like major outliers or something oh, like really? that like oh, there's some weird. there's some funny like uh, it's not like like the first pancake in the pan. You're like, ah, get rid of that one. <laughs> it's the opposite. Well, it, the, there were some people who argued that, including me, because I was too incredulous. I mean, we hadn't even started the observing run, and yeah. I was like, if we're if we turn it on and within a day we're getting an event this loud, then we're going to get more. So screw this one because it's too. Wait we for can't. The next one. Yeah. yeah, we'll wait. Just wait for the next one because we, we this one's too sketchy, yeah. basically. And that, I actually made that argument. So. But then, but you look, you look at the plot of the waveform, and you're like, "This is no." This I was, is the I thing. eventually, be, I became convinced. <laughs> I, that was my initial argument. But yeah. that's but that's I the thing that that really sure. blows me away is just seeing like just very very simple like the whitened data stream, the waveform. You're like, "God damn, that is exactly what we expected this thing to look yeah, like." Yeah, I mean, if you and, and it, it just it couldn't have been any better. I, I highly recommend that the listeners of this podcast go and actually read the paper because a lot of scientific papers are just incomprehensible even to other scientists like the paper that that announces the detection of the higgs boson forget it it's (laughs) i I can't even like i rip my own eyeballs out when i'm reading it but this paper is like really beautiful and short and elegant and it is if people if you have a sort of you know even not a super high level comp, you know, competence in science, yeah. you can understand a lot of what's in this paper. And in particular, the figure that shows the signal uh-huh. and actually compares it to a numerical relativity reconstruction of what we think this signal would look like from two black holes exactly like this. They like line up exactly that's amazing it's like beautiful beautiful theory matching that's kind of why the first time we had you on Jenna, I, I didn't even realize this hadn't been detected because you in, in the in the ted talk i saw you do you had an example of what you what the sound would be and uh and it happened to match up how did you how did you how were you able to model what what two black holes uh orbiting and colliding would would sound like without any data it's amazing. So the the simulations that I talked to you about and that you saw in the TED Talk are pretty basic. They're not that sophisticated. I mean, they're sophisticated in that we're using general relativity, but basically I didn't do anything fancy at all. I just threw the basic relativistic laws onto a computer, what two black holes should be doing. There's much more sophisticated computer um, simulations that that really solve a very difficult problem of the back reaction of the gravitational waves on the black holes. It was one of the hardest problems ever solved numerically. It took 30 years. And the weird thing is my little simulations, which are just sort of uh, the first approach without doing all of that complicated stuff, are pretty good, you know? Mm -hmm. And anybody can do it. Lots of people have simulated them. I mean, I, I was not at all in the forefront even of doing that. It was just something I did 
almost as an afterthought just to kind of say, you guys, this is what it would sound like, you know? Oh, most of my work is on paper math and I don't really do, I don't really do numerical stuff. So it, so it was kind of an afterthought. Oh, hey, it'll be kind of cute if I throw it on a computer and you can hear it. And that turns out to be really good. That's what's so crazy. That's amazing. It's so close to the relativistic prediction that there's no deviation that we can see of any kind, which is, which is, that's almost, I don't know. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it points to two things I would say. You know? Yeah. It points to two things I would say. One is the, the, the beautiful, the beauty of GR, uh-huh. which is so correct that it's, you know, it makes these predictions, which, which are very sort of straightforward to get know, at yeah. in some sense. Historically, too, like, you know, the, the difference between people who study relativity and the people who study particle physics is like people who study relativity, like cling to their model, uh-huh. you know, like like people in the South cling to their guns. <laughs> you know, it's very it's very, very similar. You know, if there's any if anybody's like, oh, there's a discrepancy, they're like, you just don't understand GR. <laughs> Whereas like particle physicists are like, oh, yeah, we take whatever sexy thing of the week is right. and. And this is just like further fodder, fodder to to push that. You know, uh-huh. it's it's really it's a, it's right. it's incredible. Like I mean, GR Einstein has, was visionary. Yeah, GR Einstein basically birthed GR, fully formed, and it has been unmodified uh-huh. since he since he did it a hundred years ago. I mean, it's it's one of the most successful physics theories ever. Ever. I mean, maybe the most successful. I, I mean, I don't think that's a stretch to say that. And and then the other thing is that um, you know, it we, we we've come so far in terms of these these abilities to do these calculations mm-hmm. that it's really you know like Jana says it wasn't it wasn't you know she didn't have to use any crazy sophisticated techniques to be able to predict what these signals sound like. Yeah. So then the the remaining question is okay well that's all fine and good but we've never actually seen these signals so are we just blowing smoke up our own asses or not and then boom. Well, there it is, and it's exactly <laughs> like, like the prediction. Again. We're yeah. about to lose Jana, so we'll, if we all say goodbye. But Jan 11. Hey guys, I think our, our, our technological problems are too great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> might be, we'll be able to level out. People will hear what you said. We'll, we'll, fix we'll, it we'll level that all out. But yeah. um, Jana, this setup is not as beautiful as GR. <laughs> where, where can our listeners f- really find good. you? you they, they should follow you on Twitter, and they should buy your books as well, because they're great. Oh yeah, March 29th. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you we gotta, oh, yeah. okay, wait, we got to give Jana a plug for her new novel. It's a novel, right, Jana? No, it's nonfiction. Oh, it's nonfiction. In fact, it's specifically about the people behind LIGO, right? Yeah, totally. So if you're interested in this whole subject, get Jana's... Can you pre-order it yet? Yeah, I think you can pre-order it. <laughs> wait, what's the title? <laughs> what's the title? Pre-order today. <laughs> Black Hole Blues and Other Songs from Outer Space. Black Hole, <laughs> Blue, Black Hole Blues and Other Songs from Outer Space by Jan 11. Get your copy on Amazon Get your copy today. on Amazon. So it's the climbing story, you know? It's all about the climb. It's all about the struggles. So the book really ended before this happened, and then Ray and Kip and David Reitze, the director, took All the people that were in the press conference. Okay. We can't let you finish the book like this. <laughs> we have to tell you what just happened. <laughs> like, I printed the book the day the discovery was made. Oh. Ray and to Kip. Wow. Yeah. And they were like... We can't take it. We have to tell you what just happened. <laughs> so you were then sworn to secrecy for the rest of the stuff? Uh, sorry? So you were then sworn to secrecy for... I know, but it was so easy because nobody thought I knew. Tell us um, about your relationship to Lawrence Krauss, Jenna. 
Jamie, I hope you guys can edit. <laughs> no, we got, we no got the definitely okay. don't edit We now. got the okay that Jamie doesn't mind having his opinion on the matter on the podcast. <laughs> but we've, uh, we've agreed that Lawrence Krauss is kind of a dick and maybe a little bit of a creeper. <laughs> Listen, you guys. Lawrence was just my guest at an event on, on Mars in, like, June or July. And yeah. Um, oh, so you're very close to Lawrence, is what you're telling us. It wasn't June or July. It was like November. <laughs> when when did he start tweeting? Yeah. When when was the when was Lawrence Cross's tweet? It was about that same time. Yeah, but I didn't know yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know until December. Well. So you know, you can check with David. <laughs> <laughs> Director. <laughs> Let's just uh, say the views don't represent the individual views of Jana or the Probably Science podcast. That's right. I am coming there personally and editing this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I miss you guys. Likewise, thanks so much for joining us. Bye, Andy. Good to see you. You too. Bye. 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 Oh, I, I am kind of bummed we didn't go into the basics of. Of I mean. These are things we've discussed on the podcast in the past, but again, I think it was been it was over two years ago that Jana first came on and talked about yeah. binary black holes and and how they would generate these gravitational waves. Like, what 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 is it about? Well, first of all, general relativity. I was drunk and uh, on vacation, and um, the, and this was, this topic came up, and then someone's like, "Yeah, what is relativity again?" Now that's like it's. Uh, oh, fuck. I don't have the party way of, of yeah. describing. I think what the is level the... that we need to understand it, uh, although we've lost our black hole expert, I'm sure Jamie and Larry are more than capable to explain. If you had to explain relativity at a party. And a, bo- yeah. and a binary black hole. Which, which, which by things. the way, both Larry and I have done hundreds okay. of times. <laughs> That's right. go, go, Larry. It's, uh, so it's, it's Einstein's theory of gravity. And it's the, it's the idea that what we think of as gravity is really just the bending of space and time. Mm-hmm. Right, so the picture that you're supposed to get in your head is one of like a rubber sheet, mm-hmm. you know, and we're something like ants living on this rubber sheet. And if you were the to sheet, put a, the sheet being the, space, the species, yeah, that's right. This is space. And if you were to put a bowling ball there, mm-hmm. you would be compelled towards the bowling ball, right? Just because there would be a big dent. Yeah. In space that would that would draw you towards it. I've always thought it's funny that this analogy for gravity also requires gravity within the sheet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shut up, Andy. Sorry, it's Sorry. hey man. <laughs> if you want, I can tell you all about tensors all and. Right. <laughs> I don't want to get into the shit of it. Man. We'll fucking we'll we'll it. All right, all right. That's right. You'll you'll get the full lecture after the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, we're not going to let you sleep tonight. We're going to give you a whole fucking gr lecture. That's right. That's right. But I want it because I don't want to be in that situation at party again and feel like an idiot or I'm like why can't I explain this thing that I yeah, sort of tensors are not going to help you at yeah, party, the, they're not going to help you at parties I promise I've tried it um, <laughs> but but you know so this bowling ball has deformed this rubber sheet which mm. is which is space time right so it's really it's not that there's a force being applied it's just that it's bending uh-huh. and you know and very similarly like you know if you were to drop another bowling ball on top on top of it it would shake that sheet you know right. and that's I mean this this analogy actually kind of goes a long way. Or if you had two bowling balls going around each other on that sheet, they would presumably make ripples in that sheet. Or yeah, that's that's exactly... You can you can make it... People do make these demos. You should go to one of these um, LIGO public uh, public uh, outreach oh, events. They have a they have a little <laughs> demo that they, they take out to like schools at Caltech. LIGO.org or LIGO.caltech.edu. There's pl- plenty of videos of this sort of and, stuff. And that's sort of like the basic idea is that, you know, what, what you thought of as a force is really just 
the curving of space-time okay. due to matter. So does that make gravity as a force be a different kind of thing to the other forces? Yes. Yeah, as far as we know, it's... It is yeah, very totally. different. This is probably the biggest outstanding question in physics right now is the fact that there's gravity. So there's there's we we've had this conception that there are basically four fundamental forces. There's there's gravity, there's electromagnetism, there's the strong force and the weak force. And the weak force, the strong force and electromagnetism are all basically unified in what we call the standard model of physics. And the standard model covers all of quantum mechanics, all of the fundamental particles, basically everything else but gravity. And then gravity is this beautiful mathematical construct theory about warped space-time and stuff like that. Totally different than the standard model. It's like a completely... They're totally different ways of, of viewing what's happening. So when happening scientists talk universe. about trying to find the grand unified theory, this is something right. that will... Some equation or some theory that will give you the link or the connection or the similarity between how gravity works and how these other three forces right. work. That's right. And yeah. that's and you know and you and you already have an idea of what that looks like. Right? I mean that's something that's what string theory um was right. created to solve, right? String theory is supposed to solve that unification problem. But if you look at it, it's it's complicated as fuck. Yeah. Like it's it's I mean it's crazy, right? Like that's the string theory is not a theory of everything. It's kind of a theory of anything. I mean, mm. there's just so many free parameters, and there's so much going on. That what is string theory? Because that's like I, I, don't, I know we're getting way off LIGO here yeah. now, way off. Whoa! But that, but that seems that's another thing that sort of gets banded around as yeah, like, yeah. You know, string theory just solves it. It's just more dimensions. And then, like, yeah. yeah, like I don't know what that means. Well, that's I mean that's that's kind of how it works, right? Like it's you know it's uh, back um, after Einstein's general theory of relativity. Somebody noticed that if you increase the di- these two guys actually colutes incline. And this really, it's this really beautiful paper. They notice that if you introduce another dimension and you curl that dimension up in a certain way, you can get electricity and magnetism in there for free. But you basically curl up this dimension into like a little circle and, you know, sort of extending this idea into much more complicated things is, is kind of in some weird way how you get string theory. But it's... It's not intuitive. In it's no. it's not at all intuitive, no, and it's not, it's not. It doesn't even make sense if you know physics. <clears throat> well, the the other thing, and, and the most and most importantly, people have been talking about string theory for years, and they have yet to produce any observational prediction. Ah. That's the major problem, and that's why string theory peaked as this concept, you know, right. back years ago, and it's been petering off because they keep banging at it, and they have yet to yeah. produce give us anything that we can the, us experimentalists can go out and work with because one of the other confusing things about gravity is in my understanding is is that no one seems to be able to explain why it's so much weaker than the other than electromagnetism for that's example right. Right. that's that's like, one of the big a tiny magnet can counteract the gravitational pull of the entire earth exactly and exactly. lift up a Yep. piece of metal yep. that's right yeah the 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 classic example you know you're you're stuck here on earth and you're like gravity is something we experience you just you take a balloon rub it on your head and stick it to the wall right right like that's the, more the, force way more the, strong. The, yeah. the few like you know electrons that you rubbed off are holding that thing against the entire weight of the earth uh-huh. so, yeah so the gravitational pull is so many orders of magnitude weaker than the electromagnetic force mm-hmm. that's right and and how does GR uh, so light and its speed relative to so so the warping of space time doesn't affect the speed of light at all? Isn't that part of GR or not? Um, base sort of. 
Larry's the GR expert. That, 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 I'll let him comment on that. the speed of light being the same in any reference was some part of... Is that not actually related to relativity? It's just a different... No, that that is true. I mean, right. so... I mean, one thing I like to take... So, people have proposed that the speed of light actually be called Einstein's constant. I mean, it's basically just a constant of nature. There's an, It's a number that's a constant of nature, and it just happens to be the number that light... That's the speed that light travels in in free space, uh, and the speed that gravitational waves travel in free space. As as we discovered, right? And <laughs> but so, it, it, but it, it did again. It didn't have to be like that, right? Well, if if gr if it if, could it have been if, if it was gr was not correct. Could it have been that gravitational waves could travel faster, or is that still the absolute limit? Is it? It's like, just it, it's the absolute limit. Right. It's the absolute limit. Yeah. I mean, it could have been not the case if gravitons had mass or. GR needed some modification. So they, gravitational like waves could have traveled slower, but they never could have traveled faster. As yeah. far as we know, yeah. right, right, yeah. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any theories out there that would posit that 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 gravitational waves or electromagnetic waves can travel faster than C. Yeah, definitely not any credible. <laughs> right, right. So, so, yeah. But so, but in in war, if you have greatly warped. I, just, I don't want to sound dumb but the, here. The, the thing is, is that no, space... Just ask the question, man. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it, it, you're, you're right, though. I mean, if space is... Things get really weird when space gets cur- starts to get curved a lot, right? So, I mean, one of the, one of the first observations that um, confirmed Einstein's GR was actually the bending of light as it went around the sun. So that's not exactly changing the speed but 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 the sun is bending the space around the right, sun right okay and so what's happening is that the distance that light has to travel as it goes by the sun and gets to our eye is actually changed by the by the presence of the sun right and so the light actually takes slightly longer to get to us than it would if the sun wasn't there so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily change the speed at which it right just, is traveling, it but it to go can change more or less more. It stuff can stretch the, space, yeah, yeah. right? And that's a that's part of the effect that we're looking for with LIGO, which is, is the, the stretching of space, the stretching of space from as the wave passes yeah. by. Yeah, yeah. I think what, we talked about this a long time ago on the show. Also, wasn't it uh, something about Mercury's orbit? Yeah, Mercury, yeah. the precession of Mercury's orbit. That was another prediction yeah. of, right. uh, of GR. Yeah, because it's so close to the sun that it's it's not right. like yeah. the, the, that the circumference isn't just the pi times the two radii because right. it's mm-hmm. like the radius is actually warped by that or, right yeah yep exactly yeah and, and and if you get close to the event horizon of a black hole space is so warped that you know from from our perspective if you shoot a beam of light into a black hole from our perspective out far outside the black hole it never actually goes into the black hole it just the space becomes infinitely stretched at the event horizon, and so we never actually see anything go into the black hole. That's a really weird, Wait, say that again? weird Sorry. effect Sorry. of black hole. So think of the a black hole is a place where space got so warped it got basically pulled to infinity. Mm-hmm. To an, it, it, the space became infinitely curved at that at the point of the black hole. Yeah. Okay, and so the effect is such that there's this really weird place, which is the event horizon, which is the place where once you go past that, 
you can't ever come you, you're, yeah. you can't ever come back out that's it you're go, you're you're going in no matter how strong of a rocket you had or if you're light yeah. even if you can travel at the speed of light you're not coming out so at the event horizon jana could definitely talk a lot more about this if she was on but at the event horizon the of uh, the curvature of space space is so stretched at that point that it takes a, an infinite amount of time to like move one unit forward in space it's like a, it's like the Zeno's paradox or something okay, like that okay. right like if you keep stretching out space so much I mean, you, you know if you have a graph and you're 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 stepping from one point in the graph to the next point in the graph right if you imagine stretching that out then you could just stretch the points in you the graph so far away never make any yeah progress. you can just like you're just never going to reach the another point because it's infinitely far away yeah and that's yeah. what's happening at the event horizon of the black hole is that light goes from this point to this point and then the next point is infinitely far away and it's and it's never going to get there from our perspective right right from light's perspective weirdly enough it just goes in everything looks totally normal to light because locally the light just see locally it's just, it's just its seeing the space, space lo- normally yeah, yeah. it's just seeing one step after another it looks totally normal locally at the event horizon but if you're really far away from it you see it totally stretched that's the, right. that's the like really mind-bending thing about gr and and special relativity for that matter right. that's does, really hard special to relativity differ special relativity doesn't have anything to do with this um uh, warping of space-time stuff. It's just basically that uh, has to do with how different observers see space if they're traveling at different velocities. If I remember rightly, like special relativity is just the conclusions that you end up with once you realize that this, nothing can go faster than light. Basically, it's, that's right. And, and that the observers that are actually doing physics right are the ones that are either standing still or moving at a constant velocity. So right. basically those two observations lead to special relativity. Cause yeah, because totally it, it sort of starts with thinking about, well, the idea that if you're on a train, they're moving at, say, 30 miles an hour and you throw a ball forward at 10 miles an hour, then that would go at 40 miles an hour to someone watching on the platform. Exactly. That's right. But if you have a light beam that you're on that train at right. 30 miles an hour that light can't be moving from the platform's perspective at the speed of light plus 30. Yep. That's right. So then what happens from there? Yep. That's exactly right. If you just say that light is always the same speed, no matter what the observer, you get special. If you just mathematically work that out, you just get special relativity. And the the extension to general relativity comes from not not just these frames that are moving at a constant velocity, but accelerations. Right, so accelerating reference frames. So the realization that all accelerating reference frames are okay to do physics in, and that gravity itself is equivalent to an acceleration, then but I mean, piles on this weird uh, stuff that leads you to like with Newtonian kind of stuff or just like high school physics. Like you would never want to be in an accelerated reference frame and try to apply rules of Newtonian physics. Well, right? it like, might just ma- it might make, make your it experiment more complicated, more complicated yeah. but, you can, but you can do it. I mean, the, the laws of physics should be the same in right. that, in that I mean, situation. It's just, you, they wouldn't be the same as in a non-accelerated reference. You'd have to take into account that. That's, that's correct. Have, yeah. but, it would, like, but it would be the same as if, if you were in a gravitational field. That's the thing. Right. So you can be on a... You can, you can do your experiment on an elevator yeah. that's, that's moving up at some... That's accelerating upward, or you can be in a gravitational field on the Earth where gravity is pulling us down, and those two frames are exactly equivalent. 
And so if you do that, that's basically the train analogy you did that gives you special relativity and then you do this acceleration versus gravity comparison, then you get GR. Okay. With, okay. with, with a lot of math. A with lot, a lot yeah. of math. Yeah. A ma- the math gets way more complicated. Yeah, because yeah, I remember I remember there was a point during my degree where I like I understood and could derive special relativity generally. You could derive it? Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. The, it's doable. That's it's right. doable. Wow. Yeah. The, the equa- I remember the equations weren't like it was just a course that I did, but the equations weren't that complicated. Yeah, you can so. do it. You can do it in an undergrad physics class. You can get to special relativity. GR but, is like a whole other bit of crazy. And that's why it took Einstein 10 years to get from special relativity to general relativity cuz he had to figure out all this math. He didn't know it. He was the first to admit it. He was like, "I didn't I didn't understand any of this shit." And had and no had, had no real data to go f- Oh, I guess the the Mercury this stuff. Is, yeah, well, that was that all came after. That all he came was, after. Yeah. This guy oh, was oh, guided oh. by intuition. Yeah, man. seriously. It's, it's See, totally th- remarkable. Special relativity came from an experiment. Uh-huh. Special that's, relativity. That's arguable. I think, didn't we argue about this on this show? <laughs> what was the argument? There was yeah, a great yeah, yeah, Yes, yeah, I think we did argue yeah. about this. There's, there's, it's, not, it's not clear that it did come from experiment. I'll, I'll say that. Right, right. It's not there's clear debate. that it did. Yeah, but general relativity was just pure thought experiments right, and deduction. So, so, so well, anyway, we, the, the debatable thing is that there was a experiment, which is literally the predecessor to LIGO, which was called the Michelson-Morley experiment, where a guy built a... A, a light interference device that is the, you know, uh, prototype idea for what LIGO is. Uh-huh. Oh, and, that's right. Yeah, yeah which it. is the we were talking about that even the other day before you went away. Um, you looked up; it was like a proof that the speed or evidence that the speed of light is constant, and it uses right. that interference. It sends a Michelson interferometer, right? And it's it, a, it, it, yep. Yeah, so this also sends light down two it's exactly, perpendicular it's arms. It's exactly the same. I mean, the, except, our they're, except they're like just, the size of this table that we're at. Right. Yeah. Okay. Our experiment is just a much more complicated version of the exact same experiment. Right, and it and that thing was testing the fact that it was assuming well, the Earth is moving. The it's, Earth, the, the, it's exactly the what you just described. Drift. The Earth is on a train, right? Because the Earth is moving through space. Because the Earth is moving through space, and so if we're going to shoot light and then measure the distance, you know, measure how long it. Right, and if the, the speed, speed of life weren't a constant, it would be different in perpendicular arms. It would be different because it's on yeah. the Earth and it's the Earth is moving. Because one of the arms is in the direction that oh, the right. Earth is moving and the other arm is not. And so you should be able to see a difference. Right. And so you do it one way and then you rotate it 90 degrees. Yeah. And then you, you and it was do a the very, And again. it was a very famous null experiment. So he did not see the effect of light being different depending on... And he know, had the sensitivity it, that he could have had there not been special relativity? He had shockingly good sensitivity it's a beautiful beautiful experiment and to those of us who work on LIGO it's like you know I don't know it's like the Rosetta Stone or something I mean it's like it's an incredible he was a beautiful physicist uh, you know it's an incredible I mean with with the technology that they had to get the sensitivity that they got was it's yeah, it's, it's, awesome. it's. I mean, like they they actually they had their optics table floated on a pool of mercury, on a giant <laughs> pool of mercury, and like, it was it was Morley's job, who was yeah. like the grad student, to to turn this big table. Right. On. <laughs> right. Yeah, they had crazy stuff, and they could they could, and it was the exact same thing that we were talking about earlier. They were had this. They they were using white. They were using white light, but they were splitting, you know, they were interfering light together and then seeing how much the interference changed very slightly. Yeah. Can you also use that to measure the speed of light? To actually measure the speed or just to tell this it doesn't change? Uh, mm, I don't. That's a very good question. I don't think not. you. Well, 
this experiment was not to measure the speed of light, and right. I don't think you could have measured it directly. I mean, the whole point is to measure the relative speed in the two arms, All right. which is the exactly the thing. We're not measuring the absolute length of the two arms to 10 to the minus 19 meters. We're measuring the relative length of the two arms, how, how long one arm is relative to the other. Right. So mm-hmm. at the start, when there's no gravitational wave, they should be identical, and then when a wave passes through, one gets right. shorter, one gets longer. Right. That's right. And so we see that effect. Right. right, and you have two. Of the, we didn't talk about the physical things. One of these is in Tennessee, uh, Louisiana. Louisiana. We have okay. one. Yeah, we have two identical detectors of these, you know, multi multi mile long detectors. One's in Eastern Washington State, and one's in Louisiana. And so, the, and that was another thing that if you look at the paper, they both saw, you know, like the exact same signal. Yeah, and that's exactly why we built two. I mean, we had to build two. Yeah, we we were compelled to build two because if you just had one detector. You would never know. I mean, this could have just been a glitch. We have glitches. I mean, we do see glitches every now and then that look like this Mm -hmm. and that are not real gravitational wave signals. But we have two, when you have two detectors and you see the exact same signal in both at the exact same time. Gravitational waves are presumably such a, I mean, they're created so far away and they're such a big thing. It would be identical in both, in two places on the earth. Yes. I mean, there's a slight difference because the- It it can hit it at at an angle. So the- and it, so if it doesn't hit them both face on, are the, are the two L's difference. oriented the same way? They're the oriented similar. They are. Right. They, yeah, they're. I mean, they're three thousand miles kilometers, kilometers kilometers apart from each other. But they they are oriented such that the the orientation was chosen. Yeah, yeah if you see if you see yeah. something in one, you should see as much overlap right. in the other right. one. Yeah, they, they, they have an they have what we call an antenna pattern. So it's it's a, they have a little bit of a directionality. Like they're really sensitive to gravitational waves coming from directly above, and then there there are places where they're totally insensitive to gravitational waves coming from the side. Mm-hmm. So. If you'd had the ability to do uh, three axes and go a couple miles into the sky, you probably would have, right? If it were, yeah, I mean, if it, it was technologically not, feasible yeah, to yeah. make like the corner of a cube, yeah, yeah, we would totally do that because that would make we'd be totally sensitive in all directions mm-hmm. in that case. But that would involve having to dig down... How far? How long's the tube? Or build two up and a skyscraper? Two and a half miles. Yeah. Sorry, two and a half, two and a half it's, miles it's, either into the sky or into the it's ground. It's not feasible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's much better, actually, in uh, for other reasons, too, um, to just build another detector on the other side of the Earth. Because then you get the effectively the same thing, right? You've got, yeah. a, you've got a 1L here, and then you go... 90 degrees around the earth and that that l is going to have an arm that's in pointing in the perpendicular direction all right yeah so even so 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 then is that part so you're kind of getting one of those directions even though with a slight curve over three thousand miles or not not really really. i mean a little bit but they're for all intents and purposes they're basically in the same plane yeah but we but you know there's the there's the italians have one of these they're building a detector, or they've built their to your to specifications. Or? No, no, no. They it's the it's the identical concept, but they they're doing they're totally on their own. Okay. Huh. The Japanese are building one right now. Again, same concept, same basic concept, but they're doing it on their own um, with help from us. I mean, I was actually just in Japan over there helping them a nice. couple months ago. Um, but uh, yeah, they're 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 using their own tech. I mean. The, all the people, all the scientists who were working on the Japanese detector used to work for LIGO. Okay. They all came through. I mean, we, LIGO has been 
generating this whole field of physics for the last 20 well, years. I was so. going to say, like, during that 20 years, a lot of other results and a lot of other science must have come out of that just just out of the nature of such a big project, right? Yeah, the, it's, you know, mostly it's been stuff that we call upper limits. So we didn't see anything, but we know there aren't things loud enough that we would have seen them. So Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's- I think that the most important thing is that we... Um, the most important thing is that we basically built the, you know, by doing this, we figured out the technology. So one of the founders of the experiment, Ray Weiss, who's my basically hero mentor, um, he had a great, he, he gave a talk to the NSF afterwards, or I can't remember where I heard him say this, but basically, he basically said that we knew we weren't going to detect one in the first go around, but we had to build, we had to do it yeah. because that was the only way for us to figure out how to do it. Like we, you, you have to give, we, we're not going to guarantee that we're going to detect it. We don't think we have the technology to do it right now, but you have to, you have to let us do it now so that we can figure out how to do it because then the second one we do, that's the one that'll, where we'll detect something. Just, and that's ex- what happened. One of the most remarkable things is that this actually got funded in the first place. Yeah, like yeah. the guy, the, the guy at the NSF um, happened to be a gravitational wave person. Yeah, it was uh, what was his name, Rich Isaacson, who he he'd worked on this problem of sort of calculating gravitational waves, um, and somehow he ended up like I I don't know. It just seems like so much serendipity had to happen because if yeah. you would have had anybody like like an astronomer or something in that position they'd have been like you guys can go to hell yeah the astronomers hated us what? at the beginning oh, totally yeah, why would astronomy be at odds because with- they thought that the whole endeavor was total bullshit and that we were gonna suck so LIGO's the most expensive project that the NSF has ever funded how much does it cost total B- basically it's been a Integrated the, over the whole time, it's basically about a billion dollars, which is not bad. Over which like is, it's just not bad. Right. a billion I mean, dollars for twenty yeah. years. I mean, yeah. space space missions cost way more than that. Like right, the Hubble right, Telescope right. is like ten. Is ten? Oh, no, no, no. It's not like that much. Way more. Like I mean, look but at the, anything that's going on in NASA. NASA. No, you get lots of yeah. <laughs> there's a big payoff for Hubble. I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But but the, yeah. Hubble's a NASA thing. But it is very this, hard to kind of go, well, Hubble can kind of go, we will give you these immediate results. Whereas this thing, you go like, well, yeah, this we're going to build this thing and then maybe in two sky. decades we'll discover one of the biggest things in physics. It was That's kooks. Great. It was kooks. I mean, it was totally, I mean, a lot of the people in the community thought it it was just crazy. Like, these are kooky people. They shouldn't be given this much money <laughs> to do this. I'm, All this money is going to suck away from other like legitimate astronomy and astronomers hated us for there's, a long time there's some very prominent people who up until uh recently i mean i, I haven't even heard what they've had to say like there's yeah, yeah, they got their they're, they're fucking I'm, eating it right I'm now i'm really curious <laughs> like, yeah. i want to yeah i, I probably so, know who so Larry's like peter ostriker in particular is somebody he, he wrote um a paper a few years ago that was sort of antagonistic Towards uh, the LIGO experiment, there, it had a it had a title. There are professors at Caltech who have been bad mouthing LIGO well, up until very recently. That's a, yeah, that's a Caltech thing too. But um, but I'm I'm curious, like what whatever what they're saying now, or if they've even said anything, or because you're saying ninety nine point nine, like you're not worried at all about this coming out later to be like both detected them. The, the noise am, was low. I am not. I am not gonna. I this, the signal's I'm, textbook, man. It it's is, textbook. Okay. but but. Um, I'm very confident 
awesome. But, 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 I am also aware of history. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, the reason it took us so long from September to, to February, you know, four months, five months or whatever to publish this is because... Everybody in our collaboration knows the history. Right, right, right. I right. mean, you, we, the last time we all got together and talked, you remember what that was about? It was about bicep. Okay, was, yes. That's right. Remember what, that was the last time we all got together and talked. And was, was bicep. Oh, that's right. We saw which what was to that. the claim of the first detection of gravitational waves imprinted in the cosmic microwave background. So there was that's a lot of right. excitement that's about right. that. That's really right. big story. Yeah. Turned out to be what happened, dust. What happened a month later? They had to retract the entire thing because it was dust. They saw dust. They didn't see gravitational right. waves in cosmic microwave background. Pretty fancy dust. <laughs> right. That shit scares the shit out of us. Yeah. We don't like that at all. We, right. Nobody wants to be in that position where you like, yeah, we're the biggest now, scientific result rightly, in 100 years. And then you have to eat shit yeah. <laughs> that's right because I rightly though when, when the bicep result came out uh, and we had you and Jana on the show as well Skyping in and it uh, like when that result came out y- you were apprehensive we were apprehensive yeah. like everyone in the science and in fact even the bicep team when they when they announced it, they didn't announce it with the confidence that LIGO has they, they were like hey this is our result have a look at it we hope that we well, found something well they were they, they made they made some serious PR mistakes, obviously, because they had to retract their paper. They made a lot of mistakes, but they, 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 it's, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. They, they fluffed it up. Like they didn't need to do, they didn't need to do that. Right. They made all these videos of them going and, you know, these like, Oh God, of course. Yeah, I forgot. We, even, we, we even talked about that on the show. We played it. It was the video of the guy who first predicted it. Yeah. yeah. Being like, like a grad and student going, with a bottle yes. of champagne. Yeah, know, oh, right, we did right. it. We, we did, we found your thing. It's incredible. It's incredible. Your life's work has been justified. Yeah, and really. they made that guy cry on camera. And I then, about that. and then they, <laughs> yanked it. and I didn't like it at the time because I was like, you guys, it's that don't do shit like that. That's right. That is not it's, cool, especially for that that kind of signal, right? Because that in 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 sort of something like LIGO, that would be the equivalent of like a hiss, right? So just like right. a, a constant, like right. you know, which is which is not so distinctive. I mean, I think one of the reasons that um, no, one, LIGO, no one likes uh, like hiss. There it is. Wasn't <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Right. But yeah, one yeah. of the reasons that LIGO has to be so confident is the nature of this signal is that there is this distinctive shape. There's this very distinctive right. Which chirp. we should have had Jenna mention. The signal was very loud. When Jenna was first on years ago, she talked about how, what, what that is caused by, and maybe you guys want to explain why it would be this thing that goes higher pitch and then goes away, like what the actual physical thing happening is. I'm trying to set you up. Yeah, the, for- well, that's, I mean, it's, it's, just the, it's just as the, as the two bodies are orbiting around each other, they're emitting gravitational waves, which is causing them to lose distance in their orbit and they're getting closer together and they're so the orbit is getting faster and fa- faster and faster and faster and closer and closer together which is making more and more gravitational waves and it just goes whoop and then how, what's the is. actual real time from the first audible frequency to the end of the thing 0.2 seconds it's, it's pretty long that's like I mean, it's that's not, that's, I mean the fact that it's, in, it's in the short. audible range and it's in the I mean compared to the scales you're talking about for yeah, everything I mean, else if, it's if like, they were if they were lighter it, it would be longer yeah you could you could in order to if you if you just listen to it at regular speed it's just a it's right, just like right. a boop I mean, you can't even. It's just like you just hear. But it's like a garage tap. band, you could slow it down. You can slow it like, down, yeah, and then yeah. you can hear the you can hear the the whoop, 
But yeah. but but if it was two neutron stars, if it was a neutron star binary, then it would be this. And That's then right. you would. And it was a neutron it. star compared to, like in size compared to these black holes, like a, a solar, like the size of the sun. Okay, yeah. I mean the mass of the sun, not the size of the sun. Obviously. Right, the uh, mass, the mass so of the, the sun, the size of Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Very, very small, not quite as compact as black holes, but very, very, very compact and um, not as massive as black holes. Black holes can black. I mean, there's no limit to how massive a black hole can be, but there is a limit to how massive a neutron star can be, because if it gets to be too massive, it turns into a black hole. Right. Mm. Yes, and I think we talk like, about we recorded it three weeks ago. It's coming out next week. I think we talk about isn't a pulsar uh, a neutron star that yeah. has uh, the magnetic thing not in line yeah, with the, got, yeah. yeah the, pulsars are really weird. They're very weird. It's um, it's it's sort of interesting because those those sources that they're looking at are like much much larger black uh, holes, like million solar mass black holes. That's okay. That's what I yeah we talked about that three weeks ago. So when you're saying that thirty was a high number, I didn't want to sound there, dumb, but I'm like I'm pretty sure when we talked about Kiara, we were. Okay. Oh, go on. No, no, no. No, that that the scales were much, much bigger, yes. and I didn't. Yeah. So, so, so the way it, the way it works is as I think Jana was saying, like, so we as physicists and astronomers, like, we have you know our imaginations are are somewhat limited right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so and the ways that we can think of to generate massive black holes either leave us with black holes that are about a solar mass or black holes that are like millions of solar masses oh okay and so it's the intermediate it's hard to get things it's at least we don't know of good ways to generate right. lots of things in this mass range that doesn't that doesn't mean that there's not what right. how would one of these ones that's that's ridiculously massive why is that intuitive that those would exist because Just, it, galaxy mergers yeah at the oh, middle okay. of a galaxy yeah. at the, you know i mean the milky way is billions and billions of stars and, and it's all swirling just, around in a giant vortex well, and, it, and, it, and at the center of it is a black hole because you know things just at the middle of this swirling vortex, things are banging into each other, and things are just starting yeah. to clump at the middle. And you can and then, you can estimate the mass because why else would everything still be orbiting? Yeah, if yeah it wasn't right. And then and you can and just it makes sense that you just more shit shit's just going to keep falling in, in, in yes, oh, yeah. for over the and course of ten see, billion years. You can and, see things in radio and um, from right. Hubble. You can see like well, galaxies that's just merging. recently happened just today or just announced today. Hubble has apparently captured a photo of a dis- distant ca- galaxy that's home to one of the most massive black holes astronomers have ever discovered. It's 300 million light years away in the center of the coma cluster of the galaxy NGC 4889. Oh yeah, NGC 4889. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> and this supermassive black hole is 21 billion times the size of the sun. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a, uh, big, that's a big black hole. And to put it in perspective, the black hole at the center of the Milky Way, which is our galaxy, has a mass 4 million times Four million times. So this is several thousand times bigger than our black hole. That's and yep. that's huge. And many, ho- many times. Hopefully, than they the sun. will see some gravitational waves from it. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's um, all these different frequency bands. That, right. I mean, just, just because LIGO doesn't see it doesn't mean it's not interesting. Yeah. Right. right. And it, the, we, we, we don't see signals from those supermassive black holes. So like, those would be the super low frequency ones. They're right. super low frequency. I mean, those those because well, they, they're, they're sort of done swallowing things by now. No, they're still swallowing it's, it's, things. It's, Remember, it's, there's it's, no it's, limit to how big. As far as we know, there's no limit to how how much shit you can shove into a black hole. Okay, it just but just a infinite. single black hole would never be emitting waves because why? It would just no, be a right. Constant. A single black hole yeah. does not emit gravitational waves. So you have to have either 
two black holes or a black hole and some other shit or black hole and a neutron yeah. star. Whatever. Like you so, need a thing with like a changing profile. Right. You know, right. if you looked so, at it from the side, you saw some motion. These 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 supermassive black holes are also the event horizons on those things are are really really big. Are huge event horizons. Yeah. So the amount of time it takes to go. I mean, the frequency of the gravitational waves is related to how long it takes for the two black holes to to do one full cycle around each right, other. Right, right. So if you've got a supermassive black hole that's a billion solar masses and some other black hole that's orbiting around it, the amount of time that black hole takes to get all the way around is really, really long because the black, that black hole is way bigger. So yeah. the So... The frequency of the waves emitted by a small black hole falling into a supermassive black hole are really low frequency waves. Mm-hmm. They're much lower than we can detect with LIGO. So that's why you need something like LISA or the pulsar timing arrays, something like Which that. Which listeners will get to next week. Yes. Even though it was recorded before this, it's going to sound really weird because we're still talking about LIGO as if it hasn't found this. This is starting yeah. to sound like that Mr. Show. I know, sketch. exactly. The pre taped <laughs> call in show. No, we're talking about the elderly, which is why crime in the streets is what you should call it. <laughs> Yeah. I did want to get back to the oh, first. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> I just, it sketch. all came back to me. Yeah, it's so amazing how they pulled it off with every. He pulls in a TV, and then in that TV, he pulls in a TV. And oh, everyone, God. he's got slightly more hair. He's got more hair. He's got. Yeah. It's. That's Why is so, the new Bob and Dave show so bad? It's not bad. I, I disagree. Oh, I think it's I've really watched funny. one episode, and I thought it was. You should watch them all. It didn't make me laugh. Did you see the I'll one? watch more. I'll watch more. I like oh, yeah. those guys. So I, I think, I've only seen bits of it, but the bits I've seen I really liked. Yeah, I think there were a few the few sketches in particular where I was like, that's up there with, with any of their okay, best right. stuff. I think you should watch I'll, the whole thing. I'll yeah. watch it again. Um, I wanted to ask, when, when we started talking about this, I was talking about how everybody wants to find some like either new age angle for the same with relativity. Like, Everything's relative, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah. not what it means. <laughs> uh, what's the... And you were starting to say maybe there is some actual cool thing that, you know... I was saying, like, people want to know, does this relate to space travel or us being able to do some crazy warp drives or anything? Oh, right. Yeah. So, so, you know, I've I've been... I've had lots of conversations in bars about LIGO, you know, when people ask, you know, what do you do? Yeah. I had to tell tell the story. Told it to a lot of people. I've done, you know, lots of interviews and stuff like this. And this question always comes up. Well, what's the... What's the point? Like, what's the practical thing? And it always, I always die a little bit inside (laughs) when I get asked that question. I have to admit, I'll be totally honest right now because it really makes me a little bit sad to have to answer that question because I'm just like, haven't I just told you this really fucking cool thing? Like, why is that not cool? And like, why does this, why does there have to be something else? Like our world got bigger. Like our world just got yeah, like we, we just discovered that this shit really happens. That's yeah. fucking insane. It's crazy. It's crazy. We just did this like, fucking incredible thing, and we we just like our isn't your mind blown? Like, yeah, why are you asking me about it, what is it going to make your fucking eyes? Will iPhone it help better? my milk stay fresh for longer? Yeah, like, no. How? Fuck your milk, man. <laughs> fuck the milk. So put it in space. And and, and I, I always I always try to be really gracious when I answer this question, but I'm feeling in a safe space right yeah, now. Yeah, no. When no, 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 I brought out. it up earlier. I thought you were your reaction made me think that you were like there actually is some application I was like oh really? well there I mean, I mean I can I can make be. I can right. make it's, shit I wasn't up. saying I need one I, I can I make up a whole bunch of I'm shit that, that, that you know we have we have done crazy shit with um, signal analysis with like statistics we, we pushed forward fields of 
physics. Like so that's what I was laser, asking about earlier on when I was saying like the science. We've made better lasers, like all sorts of crazy shit that yeah. we've, yeah, we've, that, that will probably spin off to be practical applications. Yeah. But, but that and even have, if not practical, there's just I'm been like yeah. subsidiary science that's spun yeah, off from totally. this 20 year that's project. Right. It Absolutely. hasn't just been no, like this tunnel vision we're just chasing this no, one goal we, loads of other stuff has happened right. totally, yeah totally. like materials material i think you the, know in order for the next generation to proceed like there actually has to be some serious advances in yeah. material no, science we, we, yeah, exactly and there's your phone shit right pushing. on the way to there you're gonna find some stuff that's gonna make your phone better probably yeah, yeah. The way somebody will and it, and it yeah, won't yeah. be from war like all the other <laughs> shit that we have right now <laughs> right, exactly right? like i mean yeah. it's sort of like it's like most of the technology that we use is from killing people yeah. right like it's from world war ii yeah I but, mean, a lot of the technology that was needed to make ligo work came from military tech i mean you have to well and then the space race it. obviously gave us those pens that can write upside down <laughs> and yeah and I, whereas the russians just use pencils That's yeah why i love that fucking story <laughs> just, is that actually i thought that no, was apocryphal That's a, yeah, 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 i don't just, think uh, what no i don't think it's i think bullshit. it's been uh, i think it's let's snopes that let's snopes In the space i bet you i bet you that's fucking real what a pencil it's goddamn pencil it works in space you don't need that's, gravity to make a pencil work nasa space pen on snopes um false uh, yeah claim nasa spent millions of dollars developing an astronaut pen that would write in outer space while the soviets solved the same problem by using pencils and snopes says it's false and i like to go by snopes and apparently the false. soviets don't even have the pencil right. it's kind of really <laughs> <laughs> right. that's right but but back to this like i think I think having like profound discoveries that change your notion of the universe is a very practical thing. Like any anybody who doesn't think that, I think is I I just I can't understand what's going through their head, right? right like right. understanding that well, the they're writing a clickbait article. They want to tell you about how chocolate makes your sex life better, or something. right? <laughs> but, but you know, any anything that changes my notion of what goes on in the universe is very practical because that's I mean, these are things that. You know, what, I mean, what what do people think about when they're sitting around at bars or when they're like laying <laughs> in bed at night? You give you know? people in general a lot of, a lot of <laughs> well, credit, maybe I mean, too much credit. I guess, I guess so, but it's like I don't know. To me, to me, this kind of knowledge is a very practical thing because it shapes how we view the universe. It shapes how you know humanity can progress. It shapes how you know children see their future. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. I mean, these are this is the kind of shit. You know, like watching. Uh, shuttle launches when i was a kid was like oh my god that 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 changed my life did it i mean no i i see it yeah yeah you know those kinds of things seeing like pictures of like from the hubble space telescope i mean all of these things are like very profound and i think i don't know yeah and i yeah. agree i agree just, just i don't be, need the justification yeah. just to be clear i wasn't the one asking i know the it's just, it's this no, consumerism yeah. I, mean, I, approach I, I, I actually don't i mean yeah i mean we're being kind of harsh and I, but i don't i don't necessarily fault people you know, individuals for asking those questions, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, I think it's a, it's in, in some sense, it's, it's a natural thing to ask, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I want to fault somebody, something. No, no, but I, I, I feel it. like I'm on I, your side. Yes. You know, yeah. I, 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 in some sense, I, I, I guess I want to fault our education system or something like that, that doesn't instill in people that, there's just inherent value in this. You don't need some some right. thing to have been invented yeah. for there to be value in something, right? To be value it's, in concepts or yeah. ideas that make you think more, or that make you think interesting thoughts. Like that's valuable. You know, we don't we don't ask these questions about art. You know, like right. oh, th- look at that beautiful painting Picasso made. I mean, shit, what's it going to do for me? <laughs> although they like- although they kind of do now, <laughs> yeah. and that, that like that's definitely a, a I think a real problem with them. Um, education in in but i think in the uk and the us when 
particularly now right-wing governments are clamping down on, on any kind of funding and... Just the idea that school, that college is turning into a, a trade okay. school. You know, yeah, it I, think, I think there ends up being like not. a real results-driven idea of what education should be. Like, oh, we, we should really push these STEM ideas and this will... But very specific versions of STEM that have very direct results and ignore the fact that most of the... Even even beyond the, the greater idea of, of course, we should just be trying to expand humanity and expand knowledge and ideas... But also some of the, even that is even financially short-sighted because a lot of the best inventions and developments and designs have come because various people have got broader educations mm-hmm. and That's have good. pursued ideas that weren't with a specific goal. And then... Yeah, what was Steve Jobs' major at, at, at uh, Reed? Well, it wasn't his major, but like, I mean, that's a perfect. That's one example. Like Steve Jobs did calligraphy. He, and that's he like, did a calligraphy course, and that's the first why, font for. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know that arguably, I mean, like, who knows what would happen with Apple anyway? But that arguably led to him approaching the way Apple products looked with much more of a design eye, and the idea of having non. What's the word for it? Where the typeface doesn't have sans serif. No, no, it's the it doesn't. Previous typefaces all had the same amount Monotype. of space for each oh, um, monospace. Mono mono space. Yeah. Yeah. So like every letter takes up the same amount of space. Right. And instead, uh, yeah, now like a, a thinner, was that, thinner letter. That was the first one. The one he did for the early apples. Was it, the first I don't know whether it was the very first one, but it was definitely like that's what he insisted on yeah, having yeah. on his computer. And it was like he wanted computers that had a design eye first yeah. and right. looked nice. I still like my monospace font. Right. And. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, about those courier emails we were getting from you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and th- but there's all sorts of things like that where you go, like, you, if people, it's so short-sighted to kind of go, well, we should invest in these specific fields because this will help us get the next car or whatever. Yeah. And go, like, well, maybe it won't. That's right. Or maybe yeah. we don't know what the next technology will be, so we should be getting this broader, yeah. general enrichment of knowledge and skills and ideas, and then that'll Definitely. create a richer society. The but- coolest stuff that I know is is, you know, it's... It comes as like a side effect, you know. It's like okay, like I know some like really obscure cool shit about random areas of physics because I was trying to solve this other problem, yeah, you right. know. And it was like, and that's and and then you know years later, it's like oh shit, like actually, like I'm one of three people who knows about this. Like I can I can use this knowledge, mm-hmm. you know. Like I mean, those are those are the kinds of things. Like you just you're like I'm solving this problem, right. and I'm going to do what I have to do. And along the way, and you don't know what the next big field is going to be. Like now, I'm sure there's going to be a huge amount more investment in the gravitational waves mm-hmm. physics, but that some of the people who will be able to work on that will be able to because they were improving their knowledge in other what we now know to be related fields right. mm-hmm. that they couldn't have done previously. Right. Some of the material scientists that you were talking about who will now maybe be able to develop the materials that will well, make third so. generation of well, Lego. We, we've been having a bit, the material stuff is a, is a kind of a sticky sticky wicket. Can I say that? <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> um, we've been trying to get um, the, the material stuff is really hard. Like we, we know how to build these laser interferometers and suspension systems and crazy stuff like that mm-hmm. we don't really know anything about materials science we're not like material science people but we need better materials because yeah. we need to make our optics better that's like one of the major hurdles for n- making the next generation of detectors is that if we can't make the optics better we're not going to be able to improve it very much well, if you're trying to detect something that is a fraction of a fraction of an atom yeah then how accurate do these mirror? How do you even correct yeah, for? Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Think about it. We're trying to detect motion of the mirror. That's one. What did I say? A thousandth of the diameter of the nucleus of an atom. So how do you even make that in the first place? And how do you correct for? 
you, like you can't have it be that pure. So there, there must be a way to correct for the impurities. So, so yeah, I or mean, the so imperfections. Basically, we 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 try to make the 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 mirror as. So there's a lot of things. So I mean, actually, yeah. the, the original mirrors were kind of fucked up. We have had problems with the mirrors, <laughs> like, yes. That's like, I mean, like, you, you, you know, you contract some company to make this, like, really expensive right. thing, and they're, like, the only people in the world that can do it, and it comes back with properties that maybe you didn't want. Right, right. We, we, we have had a little bit of problems with, with some of our mirrors. But, yeah, we, I mean, you have to polish it. And, you know, just the fact that the mirror is, is at room temperature and, you know, things that have heat move right yeah. that's like the, when you when you touch something and you feel the heat of it that is because the atoms on that thing are moving around right so if you've got an atom that's moving around and you're trying to measure the position of that atom to one one thousandth of the diameter of the nucleus of that atom then the fact that just the atom is moving because of heat is yeah. going to be a really big problem so how do how do you get around that problem so we try to construct we try to basically we want to build mirrors that have very particular weird thermal properties and ideally the ideal mirror for us would be a giant diamond a giant polished diamond because it's a super solid right that's that's very stiff and so the thermal properties are such that it would um instead of Oh god, this is hard to describe. It's just that it would be moving, but they'd be moving in concert because of like yes, the crystal structures. Exactly. You could cancel it out yeah, later. That's or basically something, exactly or like... right. That's basically exactly right. And that and we could and it's sort of like all of the motion would be kind of at one frequency that we could we just could just take out yeah, of the, could, exactly. of the data later. That's yeah. basically right. And so what we want to do is we want to make the mirrors really big. We want to make the laser beam spots really big so you basically average over billions and billions and billions of atoms mm-hmm. so that you don't, you know, you're not actually measuring the position of one atom. You're measuring the position of all of the atoms in the mirror. Right. And there's 10 to the 23 atoms in the mirror. So, so hopefully, yeah, as on average, as many are out. going back as are going forward. Right. So the middle right. of that is right. going to be you, But you still don't want the whole thing to be shaking a lot because of heat, because that's just going to that that even if the whole thing, even if the whole thing is moving in concert, the fact that it's moving at all is going to mask the signal from a gravitational wave. So right. you need to. Yeah. So it's it's tricky. So we so we need we need help from material sciences to make better mirrors. So anybody listening, uh, probably science at gmail dot com if you're a material scientist. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, <laughs> mark, mark your envelope, giant diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone has any giant diamonds? Any? Send it, send them on down. Yeah, send them this way, and we'll forward them to Caltech. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there was there was that. What show is this? Like numbers or something numbers. like this? That was it was uh, filmed at Caltech, and there was a LIGO episode where it had to do with uh, somebody, like, stealing a mirror. Diamond test it was, was, it was I think it was Diamond or Ruby or something like yeah, that. It's, it's very apropos. Like, yeah. like they, a, they did, those a guys jewel did, thief came and ripped off uh, the mirrors. And they, for the they, value of yeah. the... Oh, okay. That's right. Was it, I, might, I might be getting the... What is numbers? I've heard of that show. It's I, like no some, it's, I think it's, it's not on it's anymore. It's not on anymore. <laughs> this is, like... Way back and it had a three for the E, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. right. That's it's right. one of like a series of I. There's like seven or eight detective shows that I get confused, and they all have 
Of uh, which Scorpion is the latest e- in the yeah, same no way. There's always just someone with some weird upbringing or That's, social defect that right, results right, in them right. being able to be That's good at right. solving crimes. And they're crimes. supposed to be really smart. And those shows are uniformly horrible. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Scor- Scorpion has got to be the worst show and that ever guy put is on television. It's totally fake. Kind of a... I don't know. What guy? Scorpion. Oh, the, the Scorpion is the character. There's a, I don't know there's a guy. There's shows. a guy that claims that, that this is that the, Stowe's, the show is based off of him. Oh, oh really? Okay, okay. Is that guy also like Scorpion from the Mortal Kombat series? <laughs> no. He has a ponytail. <laughs> he does have a he ponytail. He does have a ponytail. ponytail so they have that in common. Yeah, All right. And he's fat, and he drives a Ferrari. Yeah. yeah he's totally <laughs> Scorpion. He's, he's the biggest scumbag. That's, does that's he his have hacker a, name? I does don't know he have Does he have a satin jacket that has like an embroidered Scorpion? And I'm just picturing Ryan. Gosling's drive yeah, jacket. I, know, he, uh, I don't remember what he was wearing all black. Yeah. He did have his... his, his he's a very, Larry, Larry gave a talk at a... Um, what is it called? It was like Nerd Night. Nerd Night and, and Nerd Night LA back a couple years ago. And, and, Sco- and I got, Scorpion, Scorpion was there. Scorpion, Scorpion, Scorpion was there. I'd like, 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 I wanted to have like show. a slightly wrong catchphrase. Like, be careful, because Scorpion's bite. <laughs> That's right. Well, he was, he, was, he was sitting in a room full of... Uh, like people with PhDs basically and like nerds telling them how brilliant he was right. which was just so did not go over well <laughs> so what was your talk about what were you- I was it was about LIGO and actually and I made a joke about this guy that um, <laughs> the scorpion guy because his 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 whole thing like went over so poorly <laughs> Poor Scorpion. Yeah, I don't feel bad for. I saw his Ferrari. I don't. I don't feel bad. He's got a Ferrari. He's doing fine. He's hot Asian girlfriend. He's probably actually going to see this on the internet because he's some hacker super genius who probably processes all crawls the internet for bad press. Speaking of, we're getting farther and farther away from the original topic. But like, I did love the McAfee thing today. Did you read about? Oh yes, that was brilliant. (laughs) I love that. I didn't realize he was running for president. I didn't either. But someone commented when I posted, like, I want to see, like, a straight-to-Netflix uh, movie based on this starring Nicolas Cage. Because it should totally be. <laughs> I am not, I am not, a, I just to get slightly political since you brought it up, I am not a fan of Apple personally. I don't like Apple products. I don't like Apple as a giant soul-sucking corporation. But to them. But, oh, I am totally behind them cool. on this. I am totally yeah. behind them on this this issue. Fuck the FBI and that that's yeah. bullshit. Well, just just, just wait till the FBI gets yeah. a hold of your phone and Google caves. Yeah, no, and- I know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm in I'm in any sort of better position. I I I, I, I respect Apple yeah. a lot right now for sticking to their guns on this. Yeah, and just FBI. trying to explain. And I've seen so many of these hearings, and this keeps happening, where they'll consult science, like various lawmakers and governments will consult scientists and then ignore what they say. Where they're like, yeah, there is no way to build a back door into any of this technology that couldn't also be found by 17-year-old hackers or the Chinese government. Yeah. For for background, listeners that don't know, the the FBI asked Apple just to help them get into specifically the phone of of the San Bernardino shooter. Right. And Tim Cook put out this uh, open letter, CEO of Apple, Apple saying that if we did that, we're effectively giving a backdoor to all phones and then opening the floodgates for like complete lack of privacy. Law enforcement is, is totally... Brain dead on this. I mean, I I can understand that's their that's their thing. They want to be able to hack into anybody's shit so that they can because they think everybody's a criminal. And even if even if they have some criminal, they they just don't get it as <laughs> far. It's it. tone deaf. The, the moral right now is upgrade to iOS eight. <laughs> well, this Tim is a, this is back. apparently um, this is a 
Yeah, this is an iPhone 5 or something like that that they're trying to get into. And then John McAfee, founder of McAfee Antivirus, uh, just a, put out this another... Who's a brilliant character. <laughs> such a crazy... Yeah. I didn't know who's much about the guy. a brilliant character, maybe a brilliant hum- like maybe a brilliant brain, or maybe just a bullshitter. He's, he's yeah. total... I think well, I he's, I think he's, he's probably shit. smart. He's, oh, wait, he's, how, didn't he like maybe kill a person or something like that? There yeah. was some sketchy it, shit went down at his... <laughs> yeah, he's an, he's he's nuts. He has like shoulder tribal tattoos, and in this photo that Andy's found, he's got a gun pointed at he's his a, head. He's he looks a, like Swearingen from Deadwood. He's a millionaire. He's a he's a total bro, hacker, douchebag, crazy, he's crazy nutso guy. He lived in Belize He for lived a in while. Belize and like some guy got shot dead on his property in Belize and he was on the run for a while. Or was it Belize or Guatemala? Something Belize like is where he was I for I a think, while. I think at any point if you're like on the lamb, like you're, yeah, he was, yeah, he was you're, totally you're just on like the a lamb. sketchy dude. Even. And somehow he's not in prison. I don't know whatever happened to that whole thing. Millionaires don't And now prison. he's yeah. running for president. And now he's and running for president. And offering to help the FBI. He said, hey FBI, don't fuck with Apple. I and my team will yeah, personally... I and my team of... Give us three weeks, we'll get into this phone. DEFCON hackers yeah. are gonna bust it up. I love it. With social engineering. Social Somehow engineering they're gonna mostly. social engineer a dead that's, guy. That's so. awesome. There's actually, you know, there's... Um, I, was, I was looking at this website the other day of uh, some startup that just buys hacks. And they have they have like a price list, you know, for like the kinds of hacks that are like the most wanted or whatever. And it's all like iOS right. stuff. Oh, you know, one other thing the, the 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 idea that the FBI couldn't hack the iPhone is bullshit. I it think it seems I'm so I, I think that the whole thing is bullshit. They could do it if they wanted to. But they want I, precedent. They want precedent. This whole oh. thing is about precedent. They want to force Apple to make them back doors so they don't have to work so hard to do it. Because Interesting. It, it's it's really because this know, one is like if they're ever going to have a they're never going to have a case with better social capital than this one. That's what they're thinking. That's what they're thinking because because the 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 way that they want to crack the phone the, the phone is encrypted. Okay, so the the only way you're going to get into it is you're going to break the encryption, and you you can't forcibly break the encryption. It's too hard. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. So what do you got to do? You got to guess the password. You got to just guess the password. And the phone is has protections built into it. Just erase itself after. Where it'll if you if you type in enough bad passwords, it'll like erase. It'll lock it out. Right. So what? So the way you do it is you just copy the. You just re-image the 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 phone off, you know, somewhere else. You just extract the, you know, the encrypted part, and you just figure out how to do it. The FBI, they've got they're smart totally. people that work for the government. I don't believe that they that in the fucking NSA or whatever that they couldn't hack this phone. They yeah. could t- they could do it, but that's not that's not what's going on. They want to force the tech companies to build well, in backdoors for them. To be fair, I think the NSA is a little bit too busy like listening to our phone calls and going through our emails and- yeah maybe 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 the fbi do- maybe the fbi can't do it that that would actually get that gives me a warm fuzzy yeah. actually that the fbi right. doesn't the have nsa the was like you guys go fuck yourselves we're too busy spying on the american people <laughs> right. um well the F- the fbi is still talking to serial killers to try and track down other serial killers right, right? that's what they mostly do yeah. they go visit them in asylums and right. yeah Fair enough. I feel like we had a great out like 15 minutes ago, and then yeah, I, I had to bring devolved. up this just because it made me laugh. You just added that's me right, as that's a right. FBI. Well, I will. You know, one thing I wanted to bring up. I really like that T-shirt. Oh, you're you know what? Andy. Yeah, I'm. I'm the guy who's wearing like the the the, the T-shirt of the band at the concert because I'm wearing. Well, a no, you're actually the, you're actually the band <laughs> member who's the wearing band. the band. Yeah, I'm Dave Grohl wearing a Foo Fighters T-shirt on stage. Right. Yeah. Um, 
So we, I forgot that we, I didn't forget, but like we don't we really plug We always forget these. to plug it. We, we always don't... forget to plug that you can get property science t-shirts. And if you go to estoymerchandise.com, that's uh, E-S-T-O-Y, like the Spanish word for uh, I, I am. Right. Yes, astoymerchandise.com, yeah. uh, you can find a Probably Science t-shirt. And as always, you can donate at probablyscience.com, hit the donate button. If you're shopping on Amazon, go through our link first. Set that link as your password. Someone online suggested we create a short link, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea, and then forgot to do it. I would but, say I would do, uh, do it as your bookmark instead of your password. But you can sorry, that, password sorry, I meant as your bookmark. Yes, <laughs> set, set that as your bookmark. <laughs> yeah. Set set. Uh, we now know what Matt's password is. <laughs> yes. My password. <laughs> my password for anything online. It's probably science.com. <laughs> no, is Amazon.com slash question mark slash slash tbf slash colon. But yeah, you guys, that that actually helps us out more than anything else that you do. Like this, uh, yeah. this de- this December was our biggest month ever with everyone's and it uh, holiday costs, purchases. And it costs you so. nothing. If you're shopping on Amazon, just go through our link first and yeah, we get a kickback. It costs you no extra. So thank you very much for that. Uh, and um, Jamie and Larry, where can our listeners find out more about... You, you still have almost zero personal web presence. <laughs> I, I, I don't have much, that's true. Um, but yeah, LIGO.org uh, is a good place to start. Um which from there you can get to ligo.caltech.edu. There's a, we've got a bunch of, <clears throat> I mean, we, you know, it's a big project. So we have a, we have some media PR stuff that f- spun into full gear when, nice. you know, when this stuff was happening. So there's a lot of information you can find about LIGO. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can, I'm feel free to contact me. I, I, I will respond to all crazy emails of which they have they have been coming in i'm now. sure yeah. Right. yeah and actually since you guys harassed me last time i do have a website excellent it's yeah. uh, it's lrp.io so it's, nice. a, it's a little out of date but there's stuff find larry on there uh you can find us at probably science probably science.com you can find me at matt Kirshen and andy at andy t wood so find us all on there follow us and we're back with a standard episode in fact in a yeah, I'll probably put that up um, four days after this comes out. But so. yeah, we wanted to get the LIGO special episode out when we were awesome. back in the same place. Yeah. Uh, Larry, Jamie, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. We should have said that at the beginning. Congratulations, guys. I mean, this is this huge, obviously. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's... Yeah, I, I feel very proud. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's good to see a lot of the work you've done in your life like actually come to some kind of fruition. Yeah. It's... And how crazy was the party afterwards? It was it, it was fun. We 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 partied on Thursday. We partied again on Friday. Yeah, I yeah. was I was hungover till like Monday or Tuesday or yeah, something like that. It definitely, was pretty... yeah. It was it was it was fun. It was very fun. Well, congratulations, guys, yes. and thank you, listeners. We will be back shortly. Bye. Bye.